Riding their dead horses. Hunting with their packs of pale spiders big as hounds. It's your host, Sir Duncan the Fearsome. And Lady Rachel of House Fox. You're listening to Game of Microphones. Well met, giant killers and honorable warriors, and welcome to Game of Microphones. The warm sun of this dawn is welcome, for the night is dark and full of terrors. I'm Lord Sterling, Sir Duncan, soldier of life. And I'm Princess Sarah of House Von Daltron, the guardian of Prince Jackson's realm. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> and this is episode 114. On this episode, we're covering Game of Thrones, Season 8, Episode 3, The Long Night. Yes, and thank you so much for joining us, Princess Sarah. Rachel was unavailable this week, so (laughs) I managed to find some excellent female talent to bring in to uh, fill out the the X chromosomes (laughs) for the show. (laughs) I'm an X chromosome. I'll take that as a compliment. (laughs) And in case you're not already aware, this series rewatch is from the perspective of someone who's current on the show. That means you've seen up through Season 8, Episode 3. If not, there's still time to be vaporized by the blue flames pouring out from the half-destroyed face of a berserking, undead dragon powered by necromancy. So you don't have to hear these spoilers. That was nice. (laughs) (laughs) Warning. Spoiler alert. Oh, man, The Long Night is here. Is this possibly the most anticipated episode of television of all time? I think so. I think I'm like bummed out that it came and went. But just watching it again, the feeling that I had was still the same. Like it was I was still so pumped up even to watch it a second time. Yeah, because it was just it had so much emotion. I had the same feelings about it. But yeah, I think, I mean, I have never seen an episode talked about this much. <laughs> yeah, the intensity uh-huh. factor was just off the charts the whole uh, the whole time yeah. for sure. Oh my gosh. Should we start with your number three? Uh, sure. So my number three was um, just the heroic deaths. Oh, everyone, uh, man. Everyone died a hero. <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty Which is sort of much. not always in Game of Thrones style. So it was kind of like... I'll take it. Yeah, good to see for a change. Mm-hmm. Um, we had Ed. He died saving Sam. Uh, 
Rihanna died keeping the giant from the from the rest of everyone, basically yeah. guarding the gate. Beric <laughs> died saving Arya. Yep, and the Ian hound. Died. He saved died and saving hound, both of them. Right. I think that's, that's a key right. fact that factor that's like kind of like been overlooked a little is that not that's only did he true. save Arya, he helped save the hound too. He got the hound snapped back into it. Mm-hmm. Um, Theon died trying to save Bran, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, uh, yeah, yeah. We'll talk more about that. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, Jorah died. That's probably the one that hit me the hardest. Oh, um, saving man. Sansa. I mean, saving Danny. Yeah, that was so hardcore. He was defending her from his knees at one point, swinging his sword all around. And... It was just, he was all in at that point. It's like he knew it was coming. And just I, when rewatching it and seeing the look on his face is just like, this is what I got to do. This is, you know, my purpose. Everything's so been leading up to this, this moment. Yeah. Totally. And just so well acted, too. Mm-hmm. All of them. It yeah. looked like they knew they were going out. <laughs> <laughs> there was one moment where, um, what is it, the the dragons come flying through and start torching everything or something. I can't remember exactly which moment it is. It is. We'll get to it in the notes at some point. But um, mm-hmm. it shows all these people reacting to the dragons arriving for the fight, basically. And it cuts to Dolores, mm-hmm. Ed, and Sam. And Ed smiles. And I was like, oh, fuck, he's dead. Dolores, right? Ed can't smile. <laughs> <You know? laughs> the world is ending if Dolores, Ed, smiles. You know. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true though you're like that's it that's it yeah because he's just constantly dolorous you know that's his yes, thing if he's not dolorous then yeah so i thought that was kind of funny there was a lot of people that gave a, it seemed like they gave a lot of signals that a lot of the characters could possibly die like a lot of little things where you're like oh no oh no that doesn't look good for that guy mm-hmm. but then uh we didn't lose we didn't lose as many as i thought that sounds kind of I know. I was, yeah. (laughs) I don't know. I don't want to say I'm disappointed that we didn't lose more people, but I'm almost like kind of disappointed that they didn't hurt us more than they did. You know what I mean? Like I was expecting to be like really, really suffering as a a result of this episode. Well, well, we kept hearing like it's going to be red wedding status and red wedding was like shocking. Like it was just, it was jarring. Like couldn't stop. I still get emotional over that freaking episode. Mm-hmm, totally. And so this was kind of like it was appropriate death. Like it, we're okay. We don't like that they died, but we're okay with it because they died as heroes, right? Definitely. Whereas the red red wedding, it was like, Meh. oh my god, just yeah, that was so brutal. <laughs> massacre. Totally. Was it? Yeah, it's partially based on the Glencoe massacre. I think makes sense. Really? Yeah. Oh, he's good that way. Yeah. Yeah, There's all kinds of amazing parallels. (laughs) Anything else you want to add about all the uh, the noble deaths in this episode? Nope. Just, just goodbye and salute. (laughs) All right. So my number three is the Dothraki charge. A dragon for a dragon, because I make an astrological comparison at some point in this point with something called a dragon, which is seen in outer space called a double radio source active galactic nuclei. But we'll talk a little bit more about that in a few minutes. Why don't we just start right off at the beginning of the episode since it sort of all leads into the charge here. Sounds good to me. 
So the episode starts off with Samwell looking at his hands, shaking in, in the cold, and somebody hands him a dagger, and it's like, come on, dude, like, wake up, basically. <laughs> and uh, and it, he starts walking along, and it cuts to Tyrion, and it, we get all these characters walking through the courtyard. We see Tyrion walking through, and he's looking at these barricades, which are built, Look, they look like the big X-shaped structures on the beach at Normandy on D-Day, blocking mm-hmm. all the uh, the World War II allied forces from being able to storm the beach. And then and we see all the dragon glass sticking out all over them, shards and spikes, which is really cool. We know it's like, it's like a combination of the D-Day traps and the spike traps from Walking Dead, <laughs> which I thought was kind of right. cool. You know, the zombies will just impale themselves on the, the spikes and be stuck there. This is kind of similar. The, stick there. Yeah. The, in this case, the zombies impale themselves on the spikes, but then they just like die and disintegrate basically. So I thought that Dragon was kind of cool. Glass. Yeah. How similar they were. So Tyrion's walking around and he grabs his big old knapsack and his bag, of, his, his uh, thing of wine, <laughs> his wine mm-hmm. skin to head down to the crypt. Mm-hmm. And uh, Liana is already taking charge and directing people how to get the area set up. And we get a cool shot of the broken tower as the camera pans upwards. And we start to get like a vantage shot out over the walls of Winterfell. And this section, I know Rachel always talks about how she likes, in a lot of cases, the the scenes that don't have a lot of dialogue on this show. Mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they often are very impactful, even without having a lot of dialogue. And I would say this is one of those scenes. There's not a lot of dialogue, even throughout this whole episode. Like the scripts that, we, that we're looking at are even like uh, yeah. really short in this case. But there, there's a lot of wordless stuff, but a lot of really good tension and everything that's built up. Um, and well, it makes you drama. pay attention so much closer when there's... When there's no dialogue, you're just like, okay, you're like, putting oh, yeah. it together in your head. Yeah, I got to watch visually <laughs> and determine what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So mm-hmm. Davos is approaching the front of the wall to look out down over everything. And we see Sansa standing with Arya and Sansa looks scared. She looks freaked out, just looking out into the darkness in the moonlit night, knowing the army of the dead is right out there about to storm your castle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's horrible. Totally. Uh, so we get... A bunch of really cool shots of the unsullied and perfect still formation, giving us an idea of just how many of them there are and how like powerful and disciplined they are. Just a, a really impressive sight to behold. And we see the catapults. Oh, yeah. yeah, the catapults and the wildlings. And Brienne and Jamie are side by side, which is awesome. You get Grey Worm and Tormund and everybody. And the Hound moves to the front of the line with Gendry in anticipation for the battle to start. It's so epic. And then out of nowhere, (laughs) the dragons come flying down over the top of Sansa and everybody. And there's like a moment of like, oh, like we, at least we have that on our side, you know, (laughs) and everybody's watching the dragons flying around. And this is when Sam appears next to Dolores Ed. (laughs) And (laughs) and previously Dolores Ed had been kind of shitting all over Sam. Remember? tossing him a lot of shade last episode like oh like if you're fighting with us then the world's really fucked you know we're really desperate if the <laughs> if you're going to be there with us you'd be you know you wouldn't be good on the field like you should go down to the crypts you're a liability right and uh so we thought that with his with his first line here oh for fuck's sake you know we thought he was continuing his bitching about sam but then he changes it up you took your time you know and we realized that he deals with stress 
by being sarcastic and mm-hmm. <laughs> that he was just just you know busting Sam's balls basically and right. and he is really happy that Sam is here although it's too bad he wasn't a little more serious because it, Sam being a liability is what gets him killed coming up yep he you know Sam is like ah, ah, on the ground frozen like the hound basically remember and Ed's like yep. get up get up get up you know and spends just too much time trying to having to watch out for Sam and it gets him killed. So that's really sad that his apprehension about fighting with Sam was, was, you know, well-founded, you could say. Well, and they stop for a second and they're looking at each other. And I was like, he's dead. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> never do that. I th- they Don't first, stop. they baited us with Jamie because Brienne gets knocked over like right off the oh, bat yeah. in the fight. Ah! <laughs> you know, the whites are just <laughs> pouring all over. And she always has the, like, the most like animalistic guttural, like growling and battle cries and stuff. It's so epic. Yeah. So she's like, ah! <laughs> gets knocked down <laughs> and the whites are all over and Jamie slays them and, and like, He's kind of standing there for a second, like looking down, like, yeah, you know, I helped you. And I'm thinking, no, 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 they're about to kill Jamie. But uh, nope, they did the same thing with Ed and killed him instead. Mm-hmm. They did that like a bunch, like tricking us and making it seem well like played. something's going to happen. And yeah, definitely. So uh, <laughs> this is when we it, start, it pans over and we see Jorah and Ghost is by Jorah's side, which was interesting. Mm-hmm. Riding into battle with Jorah. Thought that was kind of cool. Um, it's also sad that we never, like, Ghost never really gets to be by John John's side anymore. You know, yeah. he's, he's with Rhaegal, at least during the battle. I mean, there's probably all kinds of stuff that we don't see off, you know, off screen where John is with Ghost, when, just like when they're in Winterfell in general. But right. it sucks we don't get to see that. And a lone rider approaches the <laughs> army. And even, even... The farthest person away who can see it, Davos, up on the wall, past all the army and everything, he's looking down like he knows it's Melisandre already. Like I don't know, he just he's fixated in on it. It's got like that sense. Yeah, his ears like perk up and he's pointed, <laughs> you know, down at Melisandre, even without knowing that it's her. Um, when upon first watch, when I was first watching it, I thought it was a White Walker riding out. Like um, like we've seen them do so many times, one white walker on a horse riding out in front of the crowd before all the undead come out, you know, kind of leading the charge. So I was like, oh, God, it's beginning. But nope, yeah. it's a, sh- a shadowy figure who ends up being Melisandre. And has she interacted with, with Jorah before or is this the first time? I think this is the first time because he's he's always been. Yeah, I think this is the first time. Yeah, I think so, because he doesn't seem to know who she is, and she doesn't seem to know too much about him. I mean, if they'd met before, she probably would have known that he speaks Dothraki, right? Because right. everybody so knows, she asks knows him. that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so do you speak their tongue? And Jorah kind of hesitates at first. She, he's, but he says, "Yeah," and she's like, "Tell them to lift their swords." And this is this is what makes Jorah hesitate. Um, mm-hmm. But it, in the distance, you can hear the hissing and growling of the dead. And Ugh. I think he's like, because without approval from Danny, you know, having a stranger do something to the unsullied forces is fucking risky. You know, like, yeah. you don't know what she's going to do, who, what her intent is, who this person like, is. This girl just came out of the darkness. Right, right. Just And she's <laughs> just like, tell them. Give me orders. Yeah, like, get, tell them to give the army orders. And so he, he 
hesitates, but then he hears the dead and he, I think he figures like, fuck it. What do I have to lose at this point? Like, mm-hmm. go for it. Whatever you're thinking, <laughs> you know, give it a try. Yeah. He's like, let's see how this plays out here. Yeah. So, uh, he, she goes over and grips her hand on the Arak and starts chanting in high Valyrian. And Jora, I think is kind of surprised, um, that what she, what's happening. Cause he's sort of reacts like he's curious looking over at her. You know, this person comes out of the darkness, like you said, and starts chanting in high Valyrian. And all of a sudden, all the Dothraki blades just ignite in spectacular fashion. And we get this amazing music as all across the screen off in the distance, the blades light up and just roar around the circumference of Winterfell and everybody on the on the battlements and everybody starts smiling because it's just like a light in the darkness a hope that we didn't have beforehand you know that the whites are vulnerable to fire so it's like mm-hmm. this huge confidence boost to everybody it's just like it just lifted morale with that simple action by Melisandre so much and I wasn't expecting that like I yeah. when all those blades lit up I was like oh my fucking god this is the coolest shit ever dude yeah like this is, we're getting started now that's yeah. I mean I thought I thought she was saying like a some kind of prayer or something I didn't know right. what was going on makes perfect like, okay, sense she's wishing though. them luck yeah <laughs> but like yeah I, I, but, but you know in retrospect she's the red woman she's like fire is her thing right so right. like she would set Stannis's blade a fire uh, a blaze as well mm-hmm. so it makes perfect sense and it was just so fucking cool and so I was surprised that the Dothraki didn't freak out when their blades went ablaze because they yeah. seem to have had an um, like a negative impression of witchcraft even as far oh, back yeah. as season one when they were distrustful of Miri Mazdur. Mm-hmm. And it ended up, you know, Danny allowed her to do her witchcraft and it resulted in Khal Drogo's death, right? So yeah. it was surprising to me that they didn't all like freak out with this new um, magi, like setting all their blades <laughs> ab- ablaze, you know what I mean? They looked a little confused, but yeah. they didn't like flip out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So they're, they're cool about it, surprisingly. And she sort of rides past the, the first ranking, the first ranks of uh, Dothraki and starts crossing in front of the Unsullied. And we'd seen Grey Worm's reaction when all those blades went to blaze. And he, he looked impressed. Like he thought he was like, yes, this is what yes. we need, you know? And let's just say it. Grey Worm is fucking epic this episode. Holy oh, yeah. shit. Everybody's freaking out. Grey Worm keeps his composure the whole time. So badass, dude. He does. Even oh my god. Quick thinking too. That's well. That's my number two. So we won't go into. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. So, uh, oh, actually, first, sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. This is the moment where we get everybody's reactions and they have the hopeful looks. It's not when the dragons come in. It's when the blades light up and Ed smiles. And I was like, fuck, he's a goner. <laughs> and Jorah looks excited and he like nods at the red woman like. Thank you. Thank you. You know, great job. Great work. Right. And draws his own blade, draws his own blade, Heartsbane. And mm-hmm. I was thinking, oh, man, like he wants his blade, blade to be lit on fire, too. <laughs> I thought the same thing. Yeah. I was like, like oh, I feel left out, you know. <laughs> so that was cool. And then this is when Melisandre rides past the Dothraki and ends up in front of the Unsullied and Grey Worm. And I think she sees that Grey Worm is like impressed with her and she looks down at him and says Valar Margulis you know and he responds in typical fashion yep 
Valar de Harris. <laughs> yeah. So cool. Just a really neat interaction between the two of them. I like just that. It's very quick, but like it's just, it's so much emotion in it. Yeah. And just, just the tiniest so epic, things. dude. So epic. Woo! So epic. And not only like it has some other implications because everybody whose blade got lit basically dies real quick. You know, mm-hmm. so she could be saying like, all those motherfuckers must die. You know, like, <laughs> all those guys. Yeah. <laughs> Dothraki, Morghulis. <laughs> They're going to die. <laughs> and uh, I want that on a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, she starts riding up towards the gates of Winterfell and Davos is like, open the gate. He knows who it yeah. is. And he's like, oh, like, let her in. I want at her. Right. So yep. she she comes in and starts walking right to him. Like they know they meet right in the middle and they both stop and look at each other. And holy shit, what did you think about this moment? Cuz she had said it beforehand to Varys. She'd said, you know, I have I will die in Westeros just as you will, right? Well, it just seemed like it, the look on her face was very hold your horses, dude. Like right. I know what I know what's going on here. I know what we're both thinking. Just chill. <laughs> yeah, but like I'm going to be dead before morning anyway, so there's no reason yeah. to kill me, right? Very interesting. And I was surprised he actually stood down. He seemed kind of like taken aback by that and kind of like mm-hmm. <laughs> turns to the well, side. Well, he's and, like, that kind of ruined my my momentum. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> guilt tripping me. And yeah. uh, so she walks a few steps forward and through a window, gets a glimpse, a glimpse, a glimpse. I said that in another podcast too, glimpse. Glimpse. Good old glimpses. <laughs> gets a glimpse of Arya mm. through the through the crenellations in a window and they have this epic, you know, stare down between the two of them where they both recognize each other and they're both like, oh my God, there they are. You know, <laughs> so cool. And uh, we'll get more of that later as well. Oh yeah. I mean, watching it the second time and you know, what's going on it's like oh god it's so powerful yeah and knowing what happens later i took note that the the game of thrones theme song starts to swell under under aria i did too you noticed that too yeah and it's like happy sounding yeah really happy and then it cuts away from aria to the army again and immediately the game of thrones theme continues to play but it goes minor and gets really Mm -hmm. like off-putting and creepy sounding it was a really yeah. cool rendition of that of that song i liked totally. it a lot and um it was like super fast paced too it was like yeah yeah and um so i was thinking melisandra probably never realized that Arya and Jon snow were connected before you know like she ran into Arya when she was at the cave with the brotherhood without banners and right. looked in her eyes and saw that she was going to be important. And then she happened to run into Jon Snow at Castle Black and saw him through the fire and just knew that he was going to be important too. So I was mm-hmm. thinking, it seems to me that Melisandre probably didn't realize these two people were connected and was probably like, oh man, like kind of blown away that here they both are at this like epic moment at the end of the world, like she says. She's um, finally reading the flames correctly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, so the Dothraki start shrieking and begin to gallop mm. off. And Jorah in the midst of them as well. And Ghost starts charging. Oh, that was a badass oh, shot. Oh, my God. So badass. And we get this 
shot down like from the side looking at their legs and their hoofs just pounding the dirt and the dirt is flying up in the air it just as they're just slamming it and we get Jorah and Ghost running and then there's this amazing drone shot which is following the Dothraki from overhead and they have all their their Eric's lifted to the sky and the drone like zooms down right with them so it's flying with them and it was just like an amazing, amazing shot. So good. And <laughs> they're all flying forth and it cuts to, to Danny and John watching from atop the bluff. And we can see down at what they're what at what they're watching and this image of the pitch black everywhere, just with this ejection of flames from the Dothraki Eriks shooting out into the darkness. And this is when I was, it made me think of that astrological phenomenon. There are a couple different ones. It, it, it looked like there was like a streak of blazing luminescence, like, like the spatter splatter from a sun being hit by a giant bullet you know, and just yeah. spraying an arc of glowing sun matter through the, the darkness. Or it looked like the glowing plasma ejection from a double radio source active galactic nuclei or dragon speeding forth into the darkness of space i'll have to post some pictures so you guys can see the comparison that i'm making actually i'll, I'll add some videos on in the in the video so if you're watching this you're you seeing go. it um but it's, it's just incredible and they're watching as the those flaming erics are held high and they're screeching and ululating and it cuts back to the catapults and gray worm lights one of the big balls that they have sitting on them and they start launching the catapults ahead of the Dothraki. And we get this shot kind of looking upwards at the Dothraki charging. And in the background, you can see the big flaming balls of fire shooting past the cinematography in this episode was just like mind blowing constantly. So good. Um, It's just the whole thing was aesthetically pleasing. It's just so it gave you every emotion. So good. Since we're talking about the way the episode looked, we should mention, unfortunately, that it ended up being too dark compared to what they actually produced. Um, You said what, like a producer or somebody came out and was talking about how the compression of HBO and everything um, made the episode, screwed up the episode basically, and it didn't look like it was intended to look. If I, I would be really upset if I worked at HBO and the moment comes and the product you've been working on for so long looks dark and not the way that they intended it it's really unfortunate that that happened well yeah and it's such a it's like the simplest thing that kind of ruined the whole episode for a lot of people it seems and that's that sucks yeah it sucks super sucks (laughs) um i noticed it right off the bat too the first couple shots i could tell that like the way that i was receiving the signal it was hyper compressed and really pixelated um, oh, when no. Tyrion was walking through the courtyard, I remember thinking, what the fuck? Why does it look like this? You know, like oh, it no. looks like, like 480p, you know, <laughs> <laughs> damn it. <laughs> but, you know, whatever. Um, so in crazy intense music as these flaming balls are hurling past our heroes on their horses and Ghost and Jorah are running together amidst the chaos and Jorah is looking, he's intent and ghosts runs ahead and starts to snarl. And we get this epic side shot of ghost. And then, um, it, it cuts to a couple more of the Dothraki in the front. And we see like from this side shot that the catapult balls are landing now very close to where the Dothraki are approaching. And we can start to see 
like a mass of hulking shadows, like coming across towards the Dothraki. Very, very subtle. You can barely see it, but if you look closely, you can see the hulking shapes. And this one Dothraki, like, looks up and ah, freaks out as he charges right into a giant. And the Mm -hmm. giant just smashes him. And sadly, John and Danny are watching from on top of this bluff. And the the line of this coronal mass ejection that I mentioned before is just stopped dead. and Right there. Right there. And starts, mm-hmm. you can see like black and engulfing it and moving through it. And like King Robert said, you'd have to be a fool to fight the Dothraki in an open field. And Jamie learned the truth of that. And after his fight with the Dothraki at the loot train battle, he said they're what, the toughest army he's ever seen. And mm-hmm. he told Cersei essentially that they're unbeatable, right? Like we don't stand a chance. Yep. And yet now John and Danny are watching as the Dothraki are literally extinguished blade by blade with the greatest of ease by Zero this fight basically. Right. This this unseen darkness just extinguishes the toughest fighting force on the on the planet. Like and Jamie, you know, everybody's watching in the distance as we get this amazing sequence where we can see all of the, like a line of torches in the distance swinging around as they're riding through the, the chaos and fighting. And one by one, all of these blades are being extinguished until the last one goes out. And we're seeing all these different characters' reactions to this. Mm-hmm. And importantly, I think it it zooms in on Jamie's face and Jamie's reaction because Jamie is the you know was was the person who like i mentioned learned from firsthand experience just how tough the dothraki are so he's watching in in horror as this invincible force from his perspective has just erased right before his eyes into into engulfed in darkness and i think that he's terrified by this um and speaking of terrified we get sansa's reaction as she sort of like steps backwards on the battlements and in horror and terror and I thought this was a really great storytelling device that we get, that we only get a brief little glimpse of that giant as that one Dothraki rides up on him and is gets smashed, and we don't see anything else. We don't, mm-hmm. like, it's a, it's a good storytelling device where we don't see the threat. It reminds me of, like, what was that movie, Clover Cloverfield? Oh, I've never seen that, but I, is is that the... It's like the fog or something or what uh, there's is like it? some it alien creature or something and like but you only get like like a little glimpse of like like its leg or you know like every once in a while like uh, you know so your imagination can be scarier than what might actually be there exactly and that's what's happening here like i'm imagining ice spiders and all kinds of crazy yeah. shit that they couldn't fo- afford apparently you want your ice spiders it was an ice spider okay <laughs> <laughs> i want ice spider it was an ice spider <laughs> Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. 
And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. There was a, I saw somebody posted a tweet it was a tweet by giant ice spiders, like at big as hounds on Twitter. And it was like, please refrain from messaging us at this difficult time where I guess they weren't hired to be in the episode. Like there's no ice spiders in this episode. We wanted ice spiders. You know? That's great. <laughs> so yeah, I thought that was a funny tweet. And uh, everybody's freaking out. And where there were once screams and wails of the Dothraki in combat, now there's only silence. And it's super, super eerie. And we're just, the camera is just jumping back and forth between all our heroes and all these people looking at their reactions. And this is when we see John Fay, who will be our guest this week on the podcast as well. He's one of the wildlings there standing next to a guy. You get a good close up of him and another dude. So all of a sudden, a lone horse rides through the darkness without a rider. Super creepy, right? Followed mm-hmm. by Jorah who's looking like shell-shocked and a few other Dothraki riders and other empty horses. And Ghost is conspicuously absent, um, Mm. which made me highly uncomfortable, although I'm confident that he survived. And uh, this is when... Jorah looks over at at everyone, like, gives a little shake of his head, like, Like, this uh, is not good. Right, and Tormund has seen Jorah fight beyond the wall and everything. And he's like shocked seeing him come back alone. Like he knows it's a bad sign. Sure. So yeah, it cuts back to Danny and John up on the bluff there. And Danny starts to walk away like to her dragon. And John's like telling her to wait. He's like, the night King is coming. You know, we need to stick with the plan, try to get the night King in here to, for the brand bait so we can take him out. Mm-hmm. But she's like, the dead are already here. And I was like, damn, like it, I didn't realize what the nuances were the first watch until my rewatch. Right. John wants to lure the Night King and he thinks the Night King won't attack if the dragons are out. So he's like, we got to wait. We have to hold here, hold the position. Right. But Danny's like, listen, they're slaughtering my blood riders, you know, like. Yeah, this is her army. Yeah, like, like these are her people. Right. Like when I'm just supposed to sit here and let everybody all of the people that love and rely on me be murdered. Yeah. You know, and so she instantly like, right. Thanos style, like a snap. Yeah. Man. <laughs> exactly. Right. And so she's like freaking out. She's like, I have to fight. Like, I can't just let everybody be killed. And I'm, it's just super sad. Like those were her blood riders. Remember that moment mm-hmm. she had sitting on Drogon where she's like, tr- you know, traditionally a cow will choose three blood riders. I choose you all. And they're all like super pumped. They all just got fucking murdered. They you know, loved like, her too. That's that's right. What, yeah. That shows what dedication they had to her, riding into the unknown, like Straight. to fight in this circumstance, like into the darkness with no idea what's out there. That's dedication. And know? before that, riding across the the sea, right? right? I mean, they they followed her straight to man. Yeah, it's, it's, ho- it breaks my heart. <laughs> yeah, as horrible as it is, it's really beautiful. You no, know? um, so. 
<laughs> John is just kind of left standing there like, fuck, she's, you know, I can't oh, argue shit. with her about this. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, that's pretty much the end of my number three is just uh, that whole scene leading up to the Dothraki charging forth and just being extinguished in, in rapid and spectacular and tragic fashion. Super sad. So good, though. Yeah. So, so what's your number two? You mentioned it before, right? My number two is the lighting the trench and Grey Worm's um, moment. His uh, oh man moment of decision. And oh god, with the bridge. Yeah. Yeah, that so, was hardcore. And basically, I mean, having to kind i mean let go of his dudes by keeping them like breaking the bridge down right and then uh um, sacrifices just getting everyone out of the way to protect melisandre so she can come come in and yeah do her thing since well, i guess that was his quick decision since you know i think danny was supposed to light the trench and couldn't see yep and john um, was Davos, parked, parked so. over at uh the godswood too so he couldn't see either yeah so it was just like i can't see davos is freaking out yeah. And they're shooting the arrows and the arrows aren't doing anything. They're just going out and the dead are killing everyone faster than they can get an arrow in their bow. Unfortunately, yeah. And and from the uh the game revealed behind the scenes feature at that's like forty minute long bonus uh footage like so shown behind the scenes stuff. It was like big ass um troughs of propane gas, right? Yeah. So if you were to like actually shoot a fire arrow into that, it would work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You'd be all right. Yeah. <laughs> It worked too well. Yeah, way too well. Really impressed that's with just, that. Just like you were saying earlier, Grey Worm in this whole episode was just, he. I was so worried about him so much. But right. he just, he kept it together and he made the right decisions at the right times. He was right. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Me. Yeah. He was on point. Like he is a true asset to Danny. She, they, the, the Doth, sorry, the Unsullied made the right decision when they chose mm-hmm. him as their leader. You know, obviously mm-hmm. they all, it was like unanimous. They all saw his potential. So it's good to see him get, we thought he was, we all thought he was going to die this episode. I instead, thought he was going to die for sure. Instead. Yeah. He gets like an amazing episode where he's just like a fucking hero, you know, and doing Killing, all kinds of cool yeah. stuff. Yeah. And just the lighting of that trench was just stunning. Like the, when it goes back to Danny looking down and it yeah, just whoosh all around Winterfell. And yeah. It was beautiful. Mira is sort of like oof. matched the way that the Dothraki's blades lit up, but uh, even more intense, you know. Exactly. <laughs> around the whole thing. But it's just like they, through the whole episode, they, they do these and these layers of just, oh, it's just so, it's so well told and it's so well paced. I can't get enough of how they told this story. Yeah, it's yeah, really, really the story good. Story of a war. It's mm. crazy. Mm-hmm. Should we talk about the scene leading up to Grey Worm's de- decision there? Yeah. Nice. So, because it, it it starts right off after um, you know the Dothraki scene there. When they uh, they they start uh, coming through the big wave. <laughs> yeah, it's like a people on the front lines after the Dothraki are wiped out are starting to look really freaked out and getting agitated yeah. and antsy. And, well, like, and they're starting to run away. And Brienne's yeah. like, hold, hold your ground. <laughs> yeah. They're so like, no. <laughs> and you can hear the scrambling footsteps in the oh, darkness God. as the undead are running towards them. And everybody's starting to freak out. And Gr- Grey Worm, out of everybody, keeps his composure and just puts standing there looking on. stoic. Yeah, and puts his helmet on like the like a fucking G, man. So badass Hell how he yeah. did that. 
And uh, Dovacaris, you know, <laughs> he says mm-hmm. that the Valyrian for Unsullied, and everybody gets in formation in the phalanx with their with their shields and the spears going forward. And oh my God, when that wave of dead of the dead hits the Unsullied here, it's like it's fucking ridiculous. It reminded me of the scene in the door. When they're running to the door and they're in that tunnel and Hodor is like running along and, and Leaf, the girl, like oh. lies, like gets stabbed up and then blows everybody up. But they're all scrambling around like the whole surface of the cave. Yeah. And just like, like in like oh. rapid fashion crawling. And that's what it looked like as the wave of, of the dead hit the unsullied and just went right over the top of them and just scrambled uh. right over amazingly intense to watch and oh my god if we thought that the battle of the bastards was chaotic with just like a lot happening on screen at once this <laughs> this dwarfs it like the amount of things that are going on on screen at any given moment in this this foray here the initial battle is just like ridiculous there's dudes being decapitated people getting knocked over Eat, and having limbs and cut bit. off and being bitten <laughs> and it's just like so rapid there's just like undead faces flashing on screen for like fractions of a second and everyone scurrying everywhere it's just it looks so creepy every it's just so creepy to me so creepy (laughs) though so creepy yeah and Tormund is watching in horror as the army to his left the unsullied is being viciously trampled and trod upon and the dead are going right up over the top of them Mm -hmm. like he looks over and you can see the unsullied and then the dudes are just going right over them and and, like a tidal wave it was insane that's exactly what it looked like it looked like a big ass tidal tidal wave. wave and uh Brienne gets trampled and knocked over, screaming, <laughs> yeah. and that's when Jamie saves her. And right when Jamie saves her before they can kill him, <laughs> which I thought was gonna happen for sure. <laughs> that's when Drogon appears out of nowhere and just Woo! gout of dragon fire just incinerates all the all the undead right around Jamie. And, and that, that music comes in. Yes. And Whoa. oh man, this was a big an interesting moment for me because um, this time, Jamie's glad to see the dragon fire because yep. it's on oh, his yeah. side. You know, last time he was in a situation like this, his army was being roasted and disintegrated and turned to dust in front of him, and the dragon fire resulted in looks of horror on his face. But now here, we get the dragon fire roasting the, the dead, and a look of relief passes over mm. Jamie's face. And just the contrast of how different his reactions have been in these different contexts of the dragon fire was just um, intense to me, you know? like It says so much for the story and how much these characters, their arcs go. It's yeah, so definitely. And, we, and then the fire, like, like gleaming against the clouds. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. They was, were talking about that on the, um, on that, the game revealed they were talking about how there's like three different modes of lighting mm-hmm. through the episode, right? Where like there's the first scene where it's all pale moonlight and then the second mm-hmm. like whole midsection of the episode where you have the moonlight mixed with the red glow of the trench fires. And then at the end, it's like back to moonlight or something. Right. <laughs> but uh, really good, really cool lighting. I'm looking forward to seeing how the episode looks when it's on Blu-ray and actually looks like it's supposed to look. You know what I mean? Yeah. Seriously. It's going to be beautiful. And speaking of beautiful shots, we get some amazing shots right here of 
it cuts from the dragon fire to to Danny bouncing around on Drogon's back, uh-huh. <laughs> and she, like like I talked about, like it's like a full motion. It's not just wings moving around the dragon. Like the dragon mm-hmm. torso is like bucking, and she's like bouncing around trying to <laughs> just hold on to those spindly little spikes for <laughs> for dear life, right? <laughs> Her little saddle or whatever she has going on. Yeah, and not much. Yeah, yeah, they don't have anything. Like, oh my god. The, the dragon riders of old, the Targaryens would have saddles for the dragons uh-huh. and safety chains. So it's just hashtag so dumb. They're running around with nothing, basically. Barebacking. Yeah. So it cuts to Sansa and Arya, and they're both in shock of this is their first time like seeing the dragons in action. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I think they're both just in awe at what the dragons are capable of. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking... Uh, they haven't... Had they seen... Oh, yeah, they've seen John on the dragon before. Yeah, they... When yep. he went on that ride. They'd seen him riding it. <laughs> He's probably been Not practicing, f- too, since uh, since his initial ride, preparing yeah, for the we'll fight. See. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I <laughs> think it's just like, a, here we go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's showing Sansa and Arya freaking out. And I was thinking at this point, oh, man... I think Sansa's starting to get the gravity of the whole situation. Like, she's starting to see how, what a threat the undead are. She's starting to see what a force the dragons are. I was thinking maybe she'll, like, chill out with Danny, the whole Danny thing, you know? Realize yeah. that, like, it's all working out the way it's supposed to, hopefully. And, uh, but nope. <laughs> we learned yeah. she's still she's still on that bullshit in the crypt, we find out in a little <laughs> bit. <you know? laughs> and uh, this is when the storm arrives. They're flying around, roasting stuff, and Danny and John are kind of riding around together, blasting everything, right? And they're up high mm-hmm. together with each other, and John looks down and sees something, and he sees the tree line and all of Craster's sons, or the White Walkers, yep. lined up in front of the undead army, just sitting there waiting. And he's like, fuck this! Not giving, not giving a single fuck down there, just Not chilling. giving a single fuck, and he's like, this is unacceptable! And he fucking <laughs> dives like that that shot that we got of his first dragon ride when Rhaegal dives down the waterfall right. mm-hmm. th- that was foreshadowing this I think where John decides to dive on Rhaegal and swoops down he's he's about to roast all those fucking bastards down there but nope the white cold rolls in oh man I was Just super yeah I was excited to see the white cold or right, do you know much about the white cold I know it's from the books, right? It's described yeah. more in the books. Yeah, I, I got a couple of quotes to read. In A Dance of Dragons, chapter 58, John 12, Tormund says, A man can fight the dead, but when their masters come, when the white mists rise up, how do you fight a mist, crow? Shadows with teeth, air so cold it hurts to breathe like a knife inside your chest. You do not know. You cannot know. Can your sword cut cold? Oh, man. Goosebumps. That is amazing. So intense. Yeah, and Craster's wives um, and daughters describe the white cold when they're at Craster's Keep as well. And then after Sam is researching the books and annals in Castle Black in the library, Sam tells John... The others come when it's cold. Most of the tales agree. Or else it gets cold when the others come. 
Sometimes they appear during snowstorms and melt away when the skies clear. They hide from the light of the sun and emerge by night, or else night falls when they emerge. So it, it's telling us like either they bring the cold and the darkness or they only come out when it's really cold and really dark. But uh-huh. it seems to suggest they bring the darkness. So when this big giant fog rolls in, it essentially blots out the sun mm-hmm. for all intents well, it and purposes. looks like that was their defense. They saw him and they're like, nope. Yeah. Come on, ice cloud. Yeah, exactly. They just rolled it right through. Uh, that was so intense. And uh, shit gets chaotic in the air, right? As soon as this happens. You feel it too. I mean, you feel so you uncomfortable feel for, for them watching it. Like, right. Yeah. Even the second time, I was like, "Ah, that makes me uncomfortable just to watch." It almost seemed like there was like hail flying around or something, yeah. like particulate matter, as they're both like getting jostled on the back of their dragons, trying to hang on for dear life, and uh, struggling to stay mounted. And we get one amazing shot, like one of the most beautiful shots of the whole series. We see like the the cloud of mist hovering above, and one of the dragons is like right below. The, the, like the bulk of the cloud and just shoots fire all across the ground and you can see the mist rolling in from the back at the same time and hitting the oh. fire and it kind of like extinguishes the blaze as it's happening down on the ground it's like really uh-huh. really cool shot man yeah they and just nailed it with it i mean the cinematography is just incredible in this episode yeah just just gorgeous and uh so th- this is when it cuts back to sansa and Arya. And Arya's like, you got to get the fuck out of here. Like, you're the lady of Winterfell. You need to go down to the crypt, right? And Sansa's not having it. She's like, I'm not abandoning my people. You know? <laughs> I can't do it. And Arya hands her a dragonglass dagger and is like, dude, you got to. And uh, this is a great reference to season one, oh, episode yeah. one or episode two, when John gives Arya a needle and she's like, well, how do I use it? Right? Mm-hmm. You know you want to say it. I do. Stick them with the pointy end. <laughs> so cute. Yeah, I love that. And so it's, just the way she said it too. Just stick them with the pointy end. Yep, just so casual. <laughs> like that's you know that's just what you got to do. Stick them with the pointy end. So it was funny seeing like Sansa is now like where Arya was like at the, at the start, you know, kind of thing. And yeah. it's all coming around, and it's just a great season one reference. And so many thr- callbacks in this episode. So many great ooh. ones, especially with with Arya. Nice, yeah. <laughs> Men- mention them when we get to them. Make sure in yeah. case I missed any. Um, so Sansa's like, yeah, okay, I should probably go, <laughs> and she heads down over there. <laughs> She's like, oh, well, if you say so. <laughs> yeah, and she rushes off, and then the fog over- starts to overtake the fighters on the field, and that feeling of chaos that we got in the sky starts to like envelop the the ground as well as Tormund is like fighting and in the raging battle all of a sudden the wind is swirling around him and there's just like stuff flying everywhere adding to the madness and it cuts to Jamie who's fighting and I'm like how the fuck is Jamie even still alive with this with his gimpy ass hand and everything you know <laughs> like how is he he doesn't even have a shield he can't even hold a shield <laughs> somehow he's hanging in there and uh the storm Oh, and uh, and we get an epic shot of the dragons coming along the circumference again, and mm-hmm. and roasting the undead, like uh, like paralleling the trench basically. And I saw it the second or third watch through, 
there's a, a giant standing in the middle of the crowd and the, oh, and the dragon comes nice. flying through and roasts him and the, the giant lights up and everything. It's so cool. Yeah. Oh, I got to watch it again. Yeah. I was really happy that, cause I was wondering, you know, we saw that, that shot when Bran had that vision in a recent episode from two years ago <laughs> when, um, <laughs> <laughs> when he has a vision and it shows like the army of the, the dead heading South and it zooms in on the giant's eye. Right. And it, but there uh-huh. was like a, a series of giants hulking in the shadow in the in the in the fog in that shot. Right. So I was like, we only got one giant in this episode. The one that, you know, we see hitting the Dothraki guy and then busting through the door at Winterfell. I think that's the giant that, whose eye we zoom in on in that one episode back then. But Makes uh, sense. yeah. So cuts to the godswood and Theon and Bran are over there and even the storm is starting to hit in the godswood too. You can see it's starting to get murky over there. <laughs> yeah. Murky. And then it cuts back out there and a couple of whites tackle Jorah and his horse. And I was like, damn, oh. Jorah's still riding around on a horseback? Not for long. They tackle him. <laughs> Psych. Yeah. And, and he, his, his horse is like swamped with whites and he tumbles off of it. And I was like, oh, man, this totally foreshadows Drogon being swamped by whites and Danny tumbling and off Danny. of Drogon and Jorah being there to save her. It was a very similar type situation. And all of our heroes at this point are just fighting desperately. And, mm-hmm. you know, Pod and Gendry and Tormund and Jamie and Brienne and Sandor just all fighting for their lives, like in a mad scramble. And uh, but it, it, it's it's like the ultimate dream team though at the same time, <laughs> minus Arthur Dane. <laughs> well, they're all. I mean, they're all working together. You see that they're they're all a team now. All these people yeah. who were just they fucking hated each other. Yeah, and they're pulling each other out of the way and like getting each other's attention, and they're mm-hmm. they're fighting together. And yep, I mean, we couldn't we couldn't ask for anything more than that, really. Yeah, it's, totally, totally. And so three of our heroes are all taken down here at the same time basically as Jamie is tackled and has whites on top of him and then Tormund is tackled and has whites crawling all over him and then Sam is tackled and has whites all over him and all at the same time three of our heroes are down and like in serious danger and Sam is freaking out ah, ah! <laughs> doing his like Sam stuff and uh, <laughs> Ed saves him and we talked about that already, but, you know, he first saves him and then Sam's freaking out and it, it sucks. He ends up being killed. But uh, th- then it cuts down to the crypt and Sansa is basically arrives in the crypt and walks down there. And it seemed to me that everybody was looking for her, to her to say something. Did you get that vibe yeah. too? Yeah, I got the feeling that they were because just the way Tyrion kind of walks away like, oh, fuck, and then drinks and right, they wanted like, to ugh. know. Yeah, very interesting because it, it made me think of that whole scene at during the Battle of the Blackwater Bay. You know, when she she's in the room in the Red Keep with Cersei and everybody, mm-hmm. and Cersei's doing nothing for morale and mm-hmm. just sitting there drinking it, acting pissy, making it worse. <laughs> yeah, and Sansa just starts to sing a song mm-hmm. and ends up like helping the morale and bringing the people together, and it's like a really beautiful moment for Sansa and here she totally does the opposite <laughs> like yeah, does nothing just, and, <laughs> I got nothing for you yeah it seems like just thinking about it it seems like this battle has a lot of things from a lot of the different battles that we've seen before like little throwbacks to mm. Battle of the Bastards Blackwater yeah good to see point. a lot of a lot of things that are similar right now that we're talking about it more 
Good point. Yeah, like the hound freaking out. out. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, definitely. So uh, the the door closes and locks for the crypt again. And then it's John and Danny flying blind through the chaos and and the fog. And I was like, oh my God, as all of a sudden Rhaegal is so low to the ground that he's like hitting all these branches. Yeah. And I was like, no, his poor little arms. You know, I thought that the, the branches might snap his little, his wings, you know, which mm-hmm. would, would have been horrifying and horrible. Um, luckily, he seems to tough it out, even though he's like, ah, you can hear him like scre- <laughs> yeah. screaming, you know. And then he, so he ascends back into the air and they're flying through like they can't tell what. And all of a sudden, whack, Rhaegal and Drogon collide head on full mm. speed and we hear it too oh my god yeah. and they just start tumbling it, it looked like it hurt you know like the dragons yeah. and I was just amazed that neither Danny or John fell off of their own dragon For at real? this point like how is that possible right <laughs> seriously crazy so they um, they're tumbling through the air and they somehow like they end up righted and they're flying together and they're kind of like looking at the other dragon for one another, John and Danny. Um, and it, it zooms down on the, just the countless dead beneath them, just enclosing on the castle. And this is when Tormund and Brienne start ordering the troops to fall back, mm-hmm. leading up to the big gray worm moment. And it cuts yeah. back into the castle and Liana is just running shit in there. She's, taking charge so badass open the gate you know she's just like keep moving giving orders that are all like she's doing everything that needs to be done um so cool love little legendary and she's confident she knows exactly what she's doing and everyone's fucking listening too so badass like incredible it's like she's a force of nature force majeure and so um everybody's retreating and John and Danny are flying through the air and John is like yelling for Danny. And I don't know what makes him decide this. Maybe he thinks he he needs to get closer to Bran now that they can't Bran. see anything. And in case the Night King arrives and he's like, he decides to go land down near the Godswood on the walls basically of Winterfell. Mm-hmm. And uh, unfortunately, ne- this means that neither of them are in position to see Davos's signal. Mm-hmm. Right? So... Grey Worm is just beasting out on all these dudes, just slaughtering <laughs> like all kinds of undead creatures everywhere. And um, the Hound is is retreating back towards the walls and we get a shot of Arya and she sees the Hound and draws her bow back. And oh, it, yeah. And they like make us think for a second that Arya is about to shoot the Hound, but then she shoots a white that's like right behind him. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of stops and turns and sees it. And then he looks up at Arya on the battlements and they sort of like see each other for a split second. It reminded me of when Ollie shot Igrit and John looked over at Ollie and they like made eye contact. And he's like, yep, I helped yep. you out. <laughs> Nods. There's no nod by Arya, but a similar type moment. I think that also kind of, I think there's little pieces that remind us about Arya throughout the seasons. Like that's a nod back oh, to season, season one, one when she did the arrow. Yep. Shooting over Bran. Past Bran. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Good call. Good call. So Grey Worm now realizes that a good number of Unsullied are trapped outside of the fire trench. And mm-hmm. he has to make the executive decision to essentially cut them off from safety. And it's really fucking sad. Like 
like I mentioned before, Grey Worm keeps his composure more than probably anybody else in this whole episode. Mm-hmm. But you can tell this hurts him because he starts to lose his composure for a second here. He starts kind of breathing hard yeah. and like looking at his brothers he- out there. Mm-hmm. And it's you can tell it's a decision that's taxing him. And it's just like it's not happy. But he you see his hand clenches and he undoes the rope from around that thing and yanks the the the, the cable and the bridge it turns from a bridge over the trench into an obstacle and like the edges mm-hmm. pop up with spikes on them and stuff. They talked about that in the 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 game revealed about the you know like the different things that they built and they made those yeah. so that they were dual function as bridges over the fire trench, but then also they would turn into into booby traps basically. Right. So that was really cool design. Um, and so sadly, Grey Worm had to you know, basically murder a whole lot of his unsullied. <laughs> that was rough, man. Their own. That was really rough. And uh, that's, yeah, I guess that that's that leading up to that gray worm scene. Yep. Ooh. So what are we on? My number two now? Yes. My number two is, of course, Viserion berserking around the courtyard of Winterfell <laughs> later on in the episode. <laughs> With his half of his face ripped off, and he's just like, like breaking all the stones beneath his feet, just smashing up everything, just launching blue flames all around that wind, that courtyard. Right? How yeah, cool is pale, that? flailing, everything's just flailing around. Yeah, it reminded me of this moment in Gears of War. The first time you see one of these big ass bug creatures, it like kind of like spins around and starts berserking and destroying all this stuff, and really <laughs> freaky. It reminds me a lot of this. Um, but yeah, John goes, he's just trying to get to Bran, right? That's all he's trying to do. Just trying to get to Bran. And he gets mm-hmm. to this one courtyard and Viserion, he, he stopped, you know, John stops and hears a sound, a dragon screeching overhead. Viserion just comes crashing down and smashes a good section of the wall and just starts crawling over everything and just snapping his jaws and his head is just like flopping all over the place and oh, fire God. is just leaking out from his neck and his like face and. They they made a a 3D cast, as you saw in the documentary, of, of Viserion's face half missing. Uh-huh. And they shoot the flames like when they when the dragons are shooting fire and stuff. They actually have a ba- like a, a pitch black set soundstage, and they shoot flames in the darkness and record video of the flames being shot through by flamethrowers, right. and then they superimpose it into the show. So they try to shoot as much real stuff as possible instead of they using. They did that like, with the loot train too, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah, exactly. So here they have this this casting, this not casting, this this piece of fabrication that they've made of Viserion's face, half of it missing, and they shot flames through it and let the flames like rise up over the edge of it so they could get an accurate depiction of the way that flames would behave coming out of these oddly shaped holes on Viserion's face. So mm-hmm. that was like a length of detail that they went to, which is just like absurd to make this look as real as possible. It pays off too. It's yeah, it just looks everywhere. so good. And so John is freaking out as Viserion starts shooting blue flames all over the place, and he ducks into a side room just at the last second as the blue flames come busting in through the door, and he's like, "Oh, you know," he's like got his eyes closed, and he's like pressed up against the wall. And the flames are just shooting into the room and just lighting him up. 
And it's just like, oh my God, it's so intense. Just so narrowly devoided, avoided defeat there. I know. Just the way the flames just lick around him. It's just so, the blue is just stunning. Yeah. They lick around Danny too in the aerial battle, yeah. which we'll get to in a little bit. But she, um, I think, you know, so the Night King is in the courtyard at this point with Bran. I think that, mm-hmm. like Sir Patrick was saying, that he can, can like really control these whites. I think he knows that the people would need to get through this courtyard to get to the godswood to get him. So he puts Viserion there specifically to prevent people from being able to get into the godswood. Right. Which is intense. So it it happens a couple times where John is just trying to bypass Viserion. He runs back out into the courtyard, realizes he's about to get flamed again and like (laughs) hides back in the room again. again. Yeah. And he eventually is like, fuck this. Like, I don't have a choice. I have to just keep moving. And he runs out there and starts taking cover behind things that are just out there, like strewn across the courtyard. And mm-hmm. there's this shot where he's like pressed up against the, this obstacle behind him. And the blue flames are coming over the top and yeah. yellow flames are licking him from the bottom. And it's just like, oh my God. And like his eyes are shut again. And it just looks like he's trying not to be like, let his eyes be roasted by the heat that's just emanating from this blue flames inches from his face. Like if his eyes were open, his eyes would be burned. You know, he's like, just got to close yeah. them because of the heat. And he's sitting there and eventually he realizes that he doesn't have any choice and he's got to face Viserion, the dumbest fucking move ever. He jumps up and turns around and faces Viserion and just, ah, screams in his face. (laughs) It doesn't even do anything. Like, he doesn't doesn't jump or swing his sword or anything, just stands there yelling and Viserion, like, starts, his, his mouth, his jaws just open up wide and his whole head like moves back and like recoils like he's about to just like like move forward like a snake and just like bite him and simultaneously roast him with the fire because you see it's like all just like leaking out and it's right at that moment when (laughs) when Arya stabs the Night King and Viserion goes from this posture of like like just about to strike to just (laughs) going completely limp and that was was great the way they did that too his neck just like yeah It was amazing. So believable, the physics of it. Yep. Like, I was very impressed with that. But yeah, that's my number two, just Viserion berserking around the courtyard. <laughs> Loved that. Yeah, that one will stick in my mind for a while. Just, just the beauty of it, man, yeah. that blue. Yeah. I can't get enough of that blue flame. I know, right? So, yeah, what's uh, what's your number one, Princess Sarah? Um, My number one is... Aria serves her purpose. Nice. Yeah, that's my number one, too. Aria for the win. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Take it away. Oh, I don't even know where to begin with Aria, except that I loved how this whole episode, they showed us where she was supposed to be. Like, they, everything that she's done, not just this episode, but everything that she's done ever had led up to this moment in so many ways. Mm-hmm. And it's see, I you know, I saw on the internet a lot of people saying that it was so easy and how could she have done this? But if you watch the show and you know the collection of everything that she's learned, everything she's been through, it makes too much sense. It makes so much sense. Right. And even just a couple episodes ago, they set up the fact that Arya is capable of sneaking to this exact point in the godswood without being noticed. As oh, remember, with, remember John, John is yeah, John's standing mm-hmm. there and she all of a sudden is standing behind him and he's like, How did you 
How did you sneak up on me? Sneak up on me. They literally said. (laughs) Yeah. And she's like, how did you survive a knife in the heart? Which is funny because she sneaks up on the knife, Night King, and then puts a knife through his heart. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Telegraphing. Um, So it is established that Arya is capable of arriving at this point in the godswood being completely unnoticed. They they push that that point through a little more when she's in the, what is it, the library? Oh, yeah. Just sneaking around. sneaking around in there, too. Yeah, she has her Sam Fisher splinter cell moment where she tosses a book (laughs) to distract the white whites and runs the other way. (laughs) Like in uh, the original splinter cell video game, you can pick up like a penny or a bottle or like a can or something and throw it to to distract the enemies to make them look over in one direction and you creep past while they're distracted or you come up and take them out, you know? (laughs) So that was cool. It was like a little bit of splinter cell for a moment there, which I really liked. Yeah, so she just, you know, everything that that happened, she learned. um, What else did I have? Oh, like she learned from the hound where the weak part of the armor is. Oh, everything is. You know where the heart is. Is that what you're referencing? When when um, the guy is asking the hound to kill him, and he he stabs him through the heart and says, "That's where the heart is." To Arya, she's like, "I know where the heart is." Remember? And then she stabs the night king. Yeah. (laughs) What what part were you referencing? I was thinking, isn't there a time when they're when she's when he's talking about like the armor and where the weak part of the armor is? Maybe it wasn't the hound. Maybe it was someone else. Mm. She tried to stab the hound in that same spot with needle. I feel like he was telling her. I feel like he was telling her something like that. Mm, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Either way, it all laid up to. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, that's pretty much. Oh, you know, I like that roll that she did too. The roll down over the the whites. Oh, it made me think of uh, yeah. when the waif was chasing her. Right. She rolled down all those steps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, True. That's so down. funny. That whole chase with the waif, like foreshadowed this big chase running through the maze of Winterfell mm-hmm. by, um, you know, another relentless enemy pursuing her maniacally. Mm-hmm. Totally. That's pretty cool. But she, I mean, through her whole, her whole, every behavior that she had this whole episode, she, um, she showed, she reminded us how badass she is. And she, it made it believable to me. Yeah. And it just, you know, in the, um, the little feature edit talks about how uh, the double D's knew that she was going to be the one that killed him for like three years. Yeah. Three years ago, they said they'd. Yeah. You know, so that's pretty crazy. And they nailed it. They nailed it with, with all of the writing, everything. I buy it. I like it. Yeah. I, I thought it worked out really well, too. And it makes sense because the Night King would be the single greatest enemy of the many faced God. The many faced God doles out death. And the Night King is out there undoing all of his work, bringing all these dead people back to life. And, mm-hmm. you know, you know that, that must really piss off the many-faced god. So, mm-hmm. so Arya is the perfect person to finish this job, to do the job yep. for him. You know, I feel like we talked about why or how it was interesting that Arya was supposed to, like, abandon her identity. But Jockin mm-hmm. sort of let her leave as Arya Stark. It seems yeah, she like she says she leaves saying, right, I'm Arya Stark of Winterfell and I'm going home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I feel like maybe this was all part of the many faced God's plan. Like it was it needed to be Arya because Arya is the only person, you know, is is the one that would be capable of being at Winterfell. It's Arya Stark that would is the one that can infiltrate into the godswood. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it had to be Arya. So I feel like 
in this case, being nobody wasn't necessarily essential to the to the task. And well, it's like she had to become no one to be able to to become someone again. Oh, right, she had right. to go through it. Yeah, 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 yeah. That true. Like to to be able to do like to learn all the techniques and everything that she's yeah employed. Definitely. <laughs> Anything else you want to add about Aria or about that started, last it, moment? I just really like that. There were so many things that brought me joy to remember about Arya. I mean, just since season one. Yeah. Just was, since that arrow, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so I good. Love her. Yeah, she's great. I, it was so cool how, just how dire everything was in that moment. John was trapped God. by Viserion and just couldn't get past him. And the the fighting was just so intense. Like this was like everything was just so desperate at this moment. Like Jamie was, was overrun. Brienne's like <laughs> even more. You know, um, Sam. Like it, that. There's that whole scene Crying. where yeah, John cuts through the courtyard trying to get to Bran, oh, and he yeah. sees Sam being overrun and turns to help him momentarily, but then realizes that Bran is like the mission. Like, and he can't mm-hmm. be sidetracked, and he abandons Sam. Mm. I was like yelling at my TV, like you can't. Sam. <laughs> you know? Sam. Yeah, and I think that's partially why Sam was crying because he was abandoned by John. Yeah. Because you know? <laughs> that's the next we see him after John like abandons him is just Sam sitting where John left him, just oh, crying. <laughs> so sad, man. And uh so all this like helpless, like everybody's just so helpless, and the music is just so intense. Oh. And the piano comes in and it's like almost like an alternate version of the light of light of the seven, that song that's playing as this is all happening and it's piano, which we don't normally mm-hmm. get in Game of Thrones. It and made it, me think of when, yeah, when she blew up the Sept of Baylor. Yeah, exactly. That's, yeah, the Light of Seven. Yeah, that's light the of Light of Seven. Of seven. Mm-hmm. Ah, exactly. Yeah. Nailed it. Nailed it. So uh, they, it's just the music is getting so somber and so depressing and so like dark. And as the Night King is approaching Bran, and he he walks up to him and Bran isn't even looking at him from he's like kind of turned mm-hmm. away and eventually like turns and makes eye contact with him and they sort of stand there looking at each other for a second yeah. before the night king begins to reach back for his blade and like even as he's approaching Bran you get a shot like from behind his hand and you see his like fingernails glowing in the uh, moonlight yeah. as he's like approaching and then that hand reaches back to grab the blade and you see from the darkness, like, first of all, it cuts to, like, a side shot of a White Walker and a little, yeah. like, wind, like, wisps past him and his hair, like... Whew. His hair goes up. <laughs> so I'm thinking, Ooh. where was Arya? Did, was she, like, on the ground here just running? Or was did she, like, creep on the tree branches? Like, I, I want to know, like, where she came from. But she comes out of nowhere. I think that's going to be one of those... Those mysteries, yeah. Yeah, totally. I think they're going to make us try to decide ourselves... I think the internet has actually figured out where Arya came from. I've watched it a couple times pretty closely, and I think this might be accurate. When Jon finally jumps out in front of Viserion and yells at him, I don't think he's just yelling at Viserion. I think he yells, Go! 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 And he's yelling at Arya. And in the split second that Viserion cocks his head back to attack, distracted by John, Arya runs pot, runs by super fast, whizzes past that White Walker, 
jumps towards the Night King and gets him. I'm pretty sure that's how it happens. And so he's reaching back, and all of a sudden, out of the darkness, Arya is launching at him. Ah, oh, the blade in the air. And Bran kind of. and everything. Yeah. Oh. And the Night King, in one motion, turns and blocks her, her grabs her hand, and catches her by the throat. Mm. Like both of his hands being occupied. And we hear like this sound as Arya is being choked. And man, like we've talked about it before, when you hang somebody, there's like a distance. You drop them so mm-hmm. that it breaks their neck but prevents their head from being severed. You know, it's like mm-hmm. the perfect drop distance. Who knows how far Arya went flying through the air before being caught by her neck. She's lucky that it didn't break her neck. Just being It caught. seemed like it did before. <laughs> like right, when yeah. you first watch it, you hear all those exactly. sounds and you're like, oh, she did. Right, like th- all this. That was my first thought was all this and that's it? And like, she's dead. Right. And she like her hand kind of like goes limp and she drops the blade. And I thought that was like her muscles releasing like as she was being killed. But mm-hmm. nope, <laughs> she's reversing that, that move she did move. against Brienne. Yeah, it's her trick mm-hmm. move. And that blade drops down and just lands perfectly in her hand. And she just jams it right into the Night ah! King's heart. <laughs> yeah. And his body turns to ice around the blade and just disintegrates around it. And she drops to the ground and the ice just just flows out everywhere the shards of the fragments of the night king the look on his face too the the shot like of her empty hand as the knife comes is coming out and he's just like he's realizing that shit something something's going down oh so good in the night king's eyes yeah the night king's eyes it's like through her hand and it's empty and you can see his face and he's just like that must be the shot that Lord Richard of House Hors- Horsfield, a good Scottish friend, he uh, he sent uh, he he made a meme where it shows like that, that look in his eyes, and it's like that look you get when you know you fucked up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was it. Yeah, totally. And that's I mean that's saying a lot because the Night King does not he doesn't have many emotions. He smirked a little at one point, but yeah. Oh man, what a smirk too. Yeah, and then mm-hmm. everybody's just dropping dead. We'll we'll come we'll come back to that. In yeah, a yeah, bit. yeah. Um. Anything else you want to add about Arya, or should we move on to notes? Let's move on. Arya speaks for herself. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So we're we're back to the to the trenches, and Davos starts giving the signal for Danny to swoop through and roast him to light him up. But Danny's in the fog, and she can't see anything. And John is also like over at the opposite side of the castle, so he can't see anything. So there's like this panic where they realize that they're alone and nobody's getting the signals. And so Davos starts yelling for the people down below to light the trench by any means possible. And all these fire arrows are shooting down and people are like running up to the trench trying to light it. And Grey Worm looks over and sees Melisandre. And this is one of those quick decisions you talked about where it must have just clicked mm-hmm. in his head. Oh, she lit all those blades on fire. I need to ask her for help. Mm-hmm. I think that he really quickly in this moment recruited her and got her to come out and help because he creates, he sets up his unsullied in this barrier yeah, and walks it out towards the, uh, the trench. Cause at this point the whites are just climbing right over it, you know, like they've fallen back. He's, he pulled the lever so that the, the rest of the unsullied are trapped out there, but they haven't gotten the trench actually lit. So it's not working as a barricade. They're just crawling through it. So it's like this horrifying moment where they're, the 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 plan is failing and there's like a, a Hail Mary attempt to try to fix the situation. So they come walking mm-hmm. out 
and they're just blasting, shooting guys with arrows all around that are approaching this barricade of Unsullied in this little rectangle. And Melisandre walks out and walks up to the trench and kneels down and starts reciting the same Valyrian prayer that she had said that lit the, the, the Arax on fire of the Dothraki at the beginning of the episode, but nothing's happening. And she's saying it over and over and nothing's happening and people are dying all around her and the dead are scrambling and it's so intense and she's like, she stops and she looks to her right and you see like all the dead and then it cuts back to her and she looks to her left and you can see all the dead over there and then it cuts back to her and she she starts getting more and more panicked and she's like getting really like really really agitated as she's like begging the, the prayer her at this point her voice is all shaking yeah. and her eyes are kind of her yeah, eyes like are bugged out like yeah. she looks horrified and it was really effective to me because like we've seen her throughout all of these seasons but she's never like had this panicked look per se like yeah she kind of freaked out when shireen burned and nothing worked and she mm-hmm. left but here she looks terrified she was full-on panic yeah like oh my god the look on her face was horrifying just that look and she's like getting more and more it's it reminded me of like miri mazdur as she's being burned alive and she's Mm. you know her wailing is being amplified as the fire starts to touch her and she's getting more and more like agitated with her with her singing it grows and grows yeah Yeah. and melisandre's voice is like getting louder and more erratic and quivering and (laughs) right at the last moment as the whites are crawling over the barricade one of them launches over (laughs) axios and mendes and boom The torch (laughs) the trench lights up and just evaporates this white like inches from her face and, uh, that shot in her eyes, yes. too, in the flames. Yeah, oh we see God. the flames reflecting in her eyes. And she's looking, sitting there looking like, oh, my God. But I think in that moment, she's realizing that the Lord of Light still hasn't completely abandoned me. You know, like, yeah. he, he he came through for me again. Like, it may have been right at the last second, but he, he came through again. And the way that it was like a last second absolute desperation reminded me of the story that Thoros told of how he resurrected Beric. You know, his, he, he was a failed red priest. He, Uh he still, you know, did the things that he was supposed to do and carried the flaming sword, but just to look cool and like wear the red, the robes to look exotic, the red robes, but he didn't believe any of it anymore, but they're in battle and his best friend, Beric Dondarrion gets killed next to him. And he's, you know, he freaks out basically and just in a moment of desperation kneels over him and starts saying the words that he's been trained to say. And just out of nowhere, a miracle takes place. And in this moment of hopelessness, he finds the Lord of Light again or the Lord of Light finds him. Mm-hmm. And it's it's kind of like that. It happened sort of with Melisandre when she was trying to resurrect Jon Snow, too. Like, it didn't seem to work, and they were getting desperate, and then they all give up and lose hope, and then he comes back to life. Same thing here. She's, like, losing yeah. hope and becoming more and more desperate, and then just right at the last second. So epic. So epic. So oh she's— God. Yeah, and the trenches just— go into like a blaze everywhere like you said and the music as they just surround Winterfell glorious the trenches in their full glory amazing work 
There's a great shot too um, through the flames of the dead just waiting outside with the blue yeah. glowing eyes. Yeah, that's when the hound starts freaking out, right? Yeah, that's when he panics. Yeah, and yeah, Sandor looks horrified and starts shrinking away from the fire as he's looking mm. through it. The undead, like the two most horrible things he can imagine. The undead army <laughs> and fire. He's like, fuck this. This is like <laughs> so <What>? much <laughs> yeah, so much worse than the Battle of Blackwater Bay. It's just fire at that point. Fuck, goddamn. <laughs> yeah, and Beric is like he has like this like attraction, like this, he was like compelled to be with Sandor and like to help Sandor mm-hmm. immediately. He's like Clegane, you know, as Sandor starts shrinking away from the fire, and it cuts back to the crypt, and uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and we get Varys, and he says the dumbest thing he could possibly say, right. At least <laughs> now I know. <laughs> <laughs> right? Dumbest At least we're line. already in a crypt. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, no, Varys, that's a bad thing. You don't want to be in a crypt when the, the Night King raises his arms and ri- you know makes the dead rise. He's like, well, at least we're already in a crypt. Like, well, if we die, we're already, you know, in a place to be buried. Like kind of a joke. <laughs> yeah. You know? But it's it's a bad yeah, thing. Yeah, that has the opposite effect here in a minute. Yeah, exactly. And Tyrion is getting restless. He's like, if we were up there, we might see something that makes a difference, something that everyone else is missing. And this is like, remember, like Battle of Blackwater? I led us through that fight. I was like the difference, you know, with his strategy and his secret tunnels. And, oh, but Varys is like, yeah, but you got your face cut in half. (laughs) He's like, but it made the difference. You know, it made the difference that we needed. He's like, if I was out there right now and Sansa cuts him off, you'd die. And she does the exact opposite of what she did at uh, at um, King's Landing, and she makes freaks everybody out basically. And like, I mean, I don't know how loud she says this, but she's like, "Listen, this is why we're all down here. Like, none of us have the power to do anything." It's loud enough so uh, Homegirl can hear her at least. Which Homegirl? Sunday. Oh right, yeah, 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 uh, yeah. True. She gets all mad, but Tyrion has a funny line here too, right? She's Sansa's like, there's nothing you can do. And he's like, you'd be surprised at the lengths I'd go to to avoid joining the army of the dead. I could <laughs> I could think of no organization less suited to my talents. Like, I don't want to join them. <laughs> They're a th- they wouldn't un- want me anyway. <laughs> yeah, mindless, brainless, unthinking, horde, Borg, hive mind type thing. That's the exact opposite of Tyrion. Thinking for mm-hmm. himself, being an individual outside the box, like total opposite of anything that would suit his <laughs> his talents, yeah. like he says. So I thought that was a really funny line. And this is when Sansa, you know, lays down the truth and like, you know, witty remarks That's, won't make a difference. That's why we're here. None of us can do anything. Maybe the most, it's the most heroic thing we can do right now is to look the truth in the eye. And Tyrion is like, whoa, who are you? Like, like you are so different than the last time we hung out. Yeah. Like, maybe we should have stayed married. And they have like this really like sincere moment between the two of them where mm-hmm. she's like, you know, you were the best of them, right? She's been married all these times and it's always been like yeah. horrible sadists and rapists and <laughs> stuff. And Tyrion's reaction, what a terrifying thought. You know, that he was the best <laughs> the of them. The way he delivers that line that was just like so a good. terrifying thought. Maybe we should have stayed married. You were the best of them. What a terrifying thought. 
So good. Yeah. Just that delivery was amazing. And she, they're like smiling, but then she's like, oh, it wouldn't work between the two of us. Why not? You know, he's like, what the fuck? Like, I thought we were just starting to hit it off. You know, it seems like it would work. And uh, they're like thinking about it. You know, the two of them are sitting there thinking about this, which is interesting mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And she's like, no, it wouldn't work. The dragon queen, your divided loyalties would become a problem. And that's when Miss Ande is like, takes offense to this. Mm-hmm. And she's like, yeah, without the dragon queen, there'd be no problem at all. You know, like <laughs> we'd all be fucked. And good point. Miss Ande. dead already. Yeah. So Sansa's Quit still on that shit. bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Quit talking shit. Exactly. Yeah, so at this point, I'm like, damn, yeah, Sansa still is not, like, realizing the gravity of the situation, unfortunately. Mm. So um, now we're back at the Godswood, and Theon tells Bran that they've lit the trench, a.k.a. our defenses are collapsing. This is not good. Mm-hmm. You know, like, if they've lit the trench, that means that the undead are right outside are the walls, right basically. Outside the, yeah. So that is bad news. And he's, he feels this is his moment to, like, sort of confide in Bran, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, Bran, <laughs> I just want you to know, I wish the things I did. <laughs> and Bran cuts him off. Everything you did brought you to where you are now, where you belong, home. You know, <laughs> what a powerful moment between the two of them, right? Like... He needed to hear so, that. Like, Theon has been needing that, you know, validation for so long. Yeah, exactly. This is the final piece in his validation mm-hmm. puzzle. Like mm-hmm. Rickon isn't around to forgive Theon, but he first he got Sansa's forgiveness when he saved her or helped save her and give her the strength to escape Winterfell and Ramsay. Then he got John's forgiveness. You know, John said, I can't forgive you for anything for everything. But for what I can, I do, you know. He got John's forgiveness for what he can forgive him for. Then and he, he got that confidence in, in yeah. his name and who he is. Yep. And then he got Yara's forgiveness. She headbutts oh, yeah. him, but but she forgives him and affirms that he's a Greyjoy, but he, you know, that he's still family, but he needs to go where he feels like he like he needs to be. And that was big for Theon. And this is it. This is Full circle for Theon, the last remaining person that Theon needed <laughs> to get for to be he forgiven some by. Closure. Yeah, so now he can die happy. Oh, too soon! Damn. Ah, <laughs> you know, sure. Oh, damn! He is about to die. Ah. Fuck. Oh man! But it's like I, I just thought it was such an emo- emotionally overwhelming moment. You know that everything you did, even if it was bad, it brought you to where you need to be, to where you are now, home. home. You know. <laughs> Crazy. So, and then uh, Bran. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Weirdo. Yeah. I'm going to go now. <laughs> I was like, just so matter of fact, out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go now. And Theon's like, what the fuck? Like, what are you, what are you talking about? And then he just like, whoop, goes off into warg mode. And we, his ravens fly right up to the Night King. Mm. But first, they're flying along, and one of the dragons comes swooping by, and they kind of like fly right through the dissipating flames. Looked so cool. Again, another amazing moment of cinematography in this episode. Just a fantastic looking episode. And so they fly right up to the Night King, and he's just lurking there on Viserion's back. <laughs> and uh, and it, we get this. 
gnarly shot looking upwards at him and he's like bouncing a little bit and his face is blurry. And then into the foreground of the camera comes his hand as he were reaches down. Were his eyes down. like warged? When I saw it the second time, it looked like it looked like his eyes were all warged, like brands or something. Ooh, interesting. I, that freaked me out. I didn't catch that. It's entirely possible. Mm-hmm. He does seem to be able to tap into the Weirwood network as well, the ice Wi-Fi. Looked- so, yeah, it's it's possible. And I, at first, I was like, "What the fuck is he doing?" Like, I, you know, his he does these hand gestures, mm-hmm. raising his arms, makes the dead, you know, do his. Uh, rise. I guess pointing his hand like that just makes them do whatever he wants. So they, this is when the dead start like plopping themselves onto the fire <laughs> barrier to mm-hmm. create like a body mountain, <laughs> a yeah, pathway. Like a bridge thing. Yeah, body bridge. And I'm like, oh my God, this is hardcore. But that shot looking at the Night King with his hand in the foreground and his face all blurry was just like the most gangster and the sound, shot. The sound was all muffled and. Yeah, so good. Was- so many just epic moments in this, this episode. So um, the, the the body bridges are being formed by the whites as they're just piling onto each other and <laughs> putting out the fire in little bits. And Davos like sees what's happening and he's like, fuck, 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 fuck. <laughs> preparing everybody to like, you know, man, the, man, the, the, the walls or whatever they're yelling and getting man all the, the archers walls. ready. Yeah. Man, yeah. the walls. <laughs> and John sees the night King and launches on Rhaegal to go attack. Mm-hmm. And, uh, this, just as the heroes are lining the battlements and the dead are breaching the trenches and the dead start like climbing up on top of each other world war z style oh yeah you know like just like i predicted mm. till they reach the top of the battlements of the walls of winterfell that is huge those are tall walls i mean in the show they're not quite as tall as they are in the books but there's it's still a fortress you know it's a fortress yeah yeah and uh you know, everybody's, man the walls, man the walls. They're coming. <laughs> they're against the wall. Fill the gaps. And they start climbing up. And oh my God, they're like hitting the dragon glass that they have embedded at the battlements on the crenellations now and bursting into, you know, into like just death and like disintegrating as they hit the top. And then all the fighters are poking them with their swords and the dragon glass too, just sending Andrew them tumbling down. had a good hit with his, just boom. Oh, yeah. So one guy gets dragged backwards down over, like down and like tumbles down the mountain of whites into the crowd, <laughs> yeah, which is crazy. And he's like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> so good. And uh, just chaos is happening on top of the battlements. At, at Gendry, it shows Gendry, and he's like holding his sword mm. or his his, uh, his weapon, and he's kind of like going like this, like bouncing in anticipation. He's ready. Yeah, he's like, like just ready to fucking crack those guys as they start breaching that the top of this of the walls. Jamie gets pinned up. Against uh, against the crenellation here with like a three mm-hmm. three whites like all like ah, gnashing at his face, and at the last second Brienne saves him, and mm-hmm. then there's like an amazing moment. It reminded me of Kylo Ren and Rey in <laughs> in the Last Jedi. Was it? Yeah, the Last Jedi, where. Snoke is trying to like kill Ray, and he's got her like in like under force control, and um, Kylo Ren 
kills Snoke with a lightsaber, twists it on the chair, oh, and then right, 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 right. right and Ray and Kylo Ren are back to back, fighting amongst fighting against all the of the uh, of Snoke's honor guard with yeah. their red outfits. The These red two guys. people who were like enemies at one point, now back to back, fighting to help each other and save each other, working together. Just like Jamie and Brienne, who were like adversaries at one point in time, now they're back to back fighting with each other on top of the battlements against the dead. It's just so powerful. And they're there was a moment too when like you saw Sam out there freaking out and Jorah grabs him and and gets him out of the way. (laughs) Yeah. Like, Sam, why are you here? Liability, you already cost us Ed. Just go to the (laughs) go to the crypts. (laughs) Stay in the stay in the house, Carl. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and so cool. like Jamie and Bran are back to back, back back lit, and they're just like a shadow pair fighting the undead mm. around him, and it's just such so beautiful. And then Sam is standing there on top of the tr- on the the walls, and the dead start just pouring out over the top at this one spot, and they break through the the fence and just start dumping down into the courtyards. And they're running through the courtyards and coming upon those barriers, those barricades with the obsidian spikes embedded in them. And they're just (laughs) disintegrating. (laughs) Yeah, so cool. And uh, the hound is freaking out here. Again, Mm. we see him like, like, you know, with the fire, like reflecting in his eyes and all this stuff in the background. And he's just shell shocked, like zoned out, not even like comprehending anything. He's it's it's horrifying, like. It's really sad. Like he's he's completely. He's, stuck. he's just yeah. Like he couldn't move even if he wanted to. Yep. It's like when that when that flaming undead bear came at him beyond the wall, oh, and yeah. he froze and uh, resulted in Thoros's death. He's just mm. frozen here. He's shell shocked, like real PTSD. Mm. And then it cuts to Arya, of course, from the Hound. Cuts to Arya, and she starts rampaging with her new weapon. Yeah. <laughs> the double-ended, um, like like Johnny Stitches said, Archmaster Stitches, he compared it to um, Darth Maul. Darth Maul's, yeah, his double-ended lightsaber. <laughs> She's like, do you like lightsabering all these guys with her <laughs> wicked ass dragon glass weapon that Gendry made? And so we we were trying to figure out what the purpose of it was based on the diagram that detachable mm-hmm. thing. It turns out that the detachable thing is so that she can turn it in from a two-sided staff into two separate staffs. It detaches in the middle, yeah. So it's like she has these two weapons, like Muay Thai stick style all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. If she had, had knelt out to the ground and gone whoosh with the sticks, I would have been like, oh my God, <laughs> coolest thing ever. Like a Tony Jaw Muay Thai reference would have, would have been epic if they did that, but they didn't, but it would have been cool. I'm going to superimpose that clip over the, so people know what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> So she is just like, she's just going at it. And we get an upbeat, symphonic version of Arya's music. Mm -hmm. You know, like that ascending mystical scale that we've gotten with various, like different instrumentation, like like almost like xylophone style we've gotten it before. Now it's a full symphonic version. And like, I was like, wow, like this, we'd never heard it like that before. So it's like, the full version of the song now it's really intense to hear that after hearing mm-hmm. the mystical whimsical version so like many small, times yeah 
Yeah. And she dispatches like a whole crew of whites and with this like fantastic spinning move. And she's like, oh, and this pose. And then it like the camera, the focus goes from her to Davos, who just like got to the bottom of the steps behind her. And he's just like, oh, my God, just like amazed. Yeah, he's, all, uh... <laughs> he's a terrible fighter. He's not a fighter, but she but she's a fighter. And he's just like blown away that this little girl. <laughs> This this like little tiny girl is just so good. And then speaking of little tiny girls, it cuts to Lady Liliana Mormont, legendary little lady Liliana Mormont, quadruple mm-hmm. L. And uh she's like organizing down there still, doing her thing, fighting, and all of a sudden, boom, for the second time in a very short relatively span of time a giant busts through the front doors of winterfell one yep. one did it just like very recently at the battle of the bastards bastards yeah so winterfell hasn't seen giants in thousands of years if ever right and then all of a sudden within the span of like 2 months <laughs> two giants bust through the and front door at winterfell <laughs> yeah just like crazy so it comes busting through and there's a hilarious shot of Liana Mormont kind of like staggering at an angle in shock as the, as the, the, the giant comes through. And she plays like, that so well, like just, oh man, her body language was great. <laughs> so good. Yeah, so good. And uh, it was like um, that scene in Old School with Will Ferrell when he gets uh-huh. drugged. And he starts walking towards the pool and he's like, get her out of my way and like claws this little kid's face and just like launch him aside and uh, goes tumbling into the pool with a cake <laughs> or like that moment in uh, in Half Baked when Sir Smoke-A-Lot's like, the doctor says I need a bacchiotomy. <laughs> get away from me, bitch. And like grabs this girl by her face and like tosses her aside, <laughs> claws her whole face. Uh, the the giant comes through the door here and just <laughs> swipes aside little lady Liana Mormont. <laughs> and she just uh, like gets launched to the side. And oh everybody collectively freaked out because everybody loves Lady Liana Mormont, right? So I'm sure That's there's. That's like the one person aside from fucking royalty that you don't <laughs> fuck with. Yeah. Fucking crazy. So, <laughs> so um, the Chuck Norris of Game of Thrones, you could say. You know. I'll take it. Yeah. So she, uh, everybody like gasps at that moment and then it cuts away to something else. Oh, to Arya. This is when she dives over that body pile and like rolls down. Yes. And I think that might be my favorite move of the whole thing when so she rolls good. over those guys. There is a in, badass. Yeah. And in that the game revealed they showed a few different shots of her doing it, like in the, oh, yeah, the yeah, takes yeah. that it took to get the, the final shot. And she was she had just mentioned that she probably holds the record on set for the most apologies because <laughs> she keeps like <laughs> yeah. she's doing all these stunt scenes and like the blades are like she like lets go and it's like flying through the air. And she's like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And she's like diving over these whites, which are like actors, you know, stunt You're men. Right. And she's like, you know, landing on Trying them and rolling over it. them. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. You know, like, as she gets like caught halfway down and like <laughs> nails these guys. So funny. If you haven't seen that featurette, you, sh- you have to go see it. Yeah. It's on the app and you can find it online. It's so good. It's so worth watching. Yeah, we posted it on a GOM page as well. Uh, Facebook.com slash GOM podcast. The game revealed it's like a 40 minute special about behind the scenes making this episode. 40 minutes. It's awesome. Oh, it's man. It. Normally those game revealed things are like five, 10 minutes. This thing is like 
40 minutes. The ones this season have been like 20, around 20 minutes, like 15, nice. 20 minutes. I, this is the first one I've seen the, so far this season. So I got to go they back and watch They release them the ones. next morning after each episode. Oh. They've been releasing them. Nice. Good to know. So uh, so then it cuts back to the, the courtyard and rising from the ground. Lady Liana Mormont. Oh my God. She stands up with that axe in her hand and her head's like kind of cocked to the side and she just lets out a battle cry like rah, roars like the bear that she is there's an amazing Insert piece of, battle cry here yeah <laughs> this guy richard pace did an amazing rendition of this on like mm. oh my god it's a black and white um drawn picture of liana mormont letting out her battle cry with her eyes closed and her mouth open and the axe raised and Outside and around her is a, a bear, like House Mormont, mm-hmm. doing the same thing, letting out a big roar. It's just a fantastic piece of art. I posted it um, and tagged the artist and everything. It's gotten like 200 shares from our page and like hundreds of likes. It's like, yeah. oh, my God, it's such a great piece of art. <laughs> and uh, so she lets out her war cry and starts charging the giant. Oh, my God. And we get like her running and like a close up of the camera. Um, trucking backwards as she is running with this, the axe raised. Ah! <laughs> Give her scream. And then it cuts from her perspective and we see the giant and he turns around holding a giant piece of wood. And I, mm-hmm. I thought for a split second, I thought he was just going to go whack and whack. golf swing her. <laughs> and just <laughs> send her launching right out of Winterfell, right over the walls. Oh, <laughs> Would have mirrored that guy who got hit with the giant's arrow at Battle of uh, Castle Black, right? It gets launched over the wall. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Love that. I um, don't want to see that happen to our girl. I know, I know. But for a split second, I thought it was going to happen. I was sure. They could. And then he, he switched, he, he lets go of the, the piece of wood and it's dangling in his left hand and he reaches down towards the camera with his right hand and scoops up little Lady Liana Mormont. And he's lifting her up. And you can hear like her chest plate and everything starting to crunch and like her her torso is being crunched under the weight of this giant as he's squeezing her with his hand and like looking right at her and like they're like making eye contact and he he it seems like he starts to like move her towards his face like he's gonna eat her eat her like he's gonna bite her and she must have dropped the axe because she reaches to her belt or something and just produces a, a, a dragon glass dagger out of nowhere and just ah, slams it right in his eye. Oh, man. That was like the coolest shit ever. And instantly the, the giant just, oh, like you, you can see like he stops, like his animation just goes away and just goes limp mm-hmm. and just fucking choke slams Liana whack onto the ground as he falls. She did. She did. She day in the best possible fucking way, man. Yeah, they really made her like they gave her like a, a spectacular finish and again referring back to the game revealed documentary piece that they released the the section with the actress i think they said her name is bella 
who plays Lady Liana Mormont, and she's talking mm-hmm. about it. She just seems like the coolest fucking go- like kid ever, man. She was loving it. She was like, I get to go out like this, she, and I'm like, yeah. she was so game. When I found out that I die, I was so excited. Yeah. She's like, she's yeah. like, I wanted one of two things. One, I could sit on the Iron Throne, but I thought that was kind of unlikely. So I was hoping for an awesome death. You know, <laughs> that's exactly what I would be hoping for if I was yeah. on the show. You know, like this yeah. girl's got like, her priorities straight. Like, <laughs> rip, like rip me to shreds you know like make it like something cool man and uh, <laughs> and so she was just a super champ about it and like i really like have a lot of respect for that actress i think she's gonna and be they show you the whole fantastic. process of it too of how they how they created that and all the work she did it's so good yeah so cool. oh my god yeah just amazing wow so um then it cuts back to Beric, who's like simultaneously like kind of fighting but also like <laughs> looking back at a hound like hey you know snap into it dude like we click need in. you <laughs> yeah. yeah click hey we need you you know you you can't give up on us mm-hmm. and you can see he how just hopeless he is fuck He's off defeated. we can't beat them don't you see that you stupid whore <laughs> <laughs> you know? we're fighting death they can't beat death you know and in a in a moment of fate where the hound is in his worst place that he's been since we've seen him basically mm-hmm. and and Beric is just Beric. begging him to snap into it yeah arya dives over the edge of the battlements and slides partially down the snow covered angled just, roof of this building yeah and the the whites are just sliding past her gnashing at her and grabbing at her and the hound's like, they can't beat death, you know? And Beric just points, tell her that, you know? It's like, oh my God. And the hound looks up and like his neck, like wrenches over to see Arya and his eyes widen. And it made me think of, you know, last episode when Arya was, you know, making, vocalizing her disappointment with the hound. And she's like, what are you even doing here? When was the last time you fought for anybody but yourself? Mm-hmm. And he's like, I fought for you, didn't I? Really powerful oh, moment. Perfect. And, That's perfect. And then here he looks up and sees her and realizes again that he's got to fight for Arya. <laughs> and yeah. it doesn't even hesitate. Like the second nope. he sees that Arya is in danger, he forgets about himself. He forgets about like everything that's holding him back. And he realizes that he still has a purpose, that this girl that he cares about, that he has he's fought so hard to protect that he died for basically is in danger again. And he has the opportunity to try to protect her and he immediately acts and, and moves forward and just, he just a, goes. Yeah. Yeah. He just goes. I fucking love it, dude. I love yep. the relationship between Arya and the hound. It's me too. It's one of my most favorite um, duos from the show for sure like i keep saying we want that spinoff the aria and the hound spinoff series their adventures <laughs> you know but before i but, want novellas <laughs> like duncan a yeah. and, and the hound they're like such a cool combo you know they could totally do that they were together for so long right. i could totally write some short stories about them come up with some webisodes or something you know just yeah. like five minute little like mini episodes of aria and the hound with just little thing little things that they happened in between that cave with the band of brothers and the red wedding and uh-huh. the eerie, you know, there are so yeah. many things that could have happened. <laughs> It'd be great to be I'm Emmy, in. Emmy award winning. 
<laughs> so um, at this point, we see Arya has crawled through the window on the slanted roof, and she ends up inside of the uh, of the of Winterfell. But before we get to there, it cuts back to Danny and John as they're chasing mm-hmm. the Night King. Rising through the fog, the Night King. You can see Viserion's tail like whipping through the fog behind, and they're chasing him, and they lose sight of him, and they come flying through the cloud cover in, into open air above. And uh, it reminded me of, actually, it didn't remind me of anything, but it reminded other people of things, and they mentioned it. And now I know about it, so now it reminds me <laughs> um, something. I don't remember this specific scene. Something from How to Train Your Dragon where people like on dragons go up through the cloud cover and they're like hovering oh, for a yeah, second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then and it's very like mystical and Yeah. And we totally get that vibe here, you know. Yeah. But another the cooler of the two references that <laughs> Johnny Stitches mentioned this to me. There's a scene in the Michael Keaton version of Batman where it's it's just like this. You see the moon up in the sky and empty air and then the cloud cover. And the circular shaped bat craft like the bat plane thing that, that, that oh comes, i know exactly what you're talking right? about comes flying right. up through the cloud cover and hovers right in front of the moon you get that uh-huh. perfect bat logo symbol in the moon and then it just drops right Falls back, back downwards. down yeah. so that was like I, I feel like johnny stitches nailed that i feel like this has yeah, to be like a exactly reference to that and it's, it's exactly good one, so good. Yeah, thanks, Johnny. He, well sent, he sent me a video and everything. I'm going to put it over, you know, superimpose it on this. But nice. uh, they, they come flying through the cloud cover and the Night King is gone. And if he's gone, that means he dropped down and he's now behind you. You should know it immediately because you can see everything for miles around you the second you come right. out of that cloud cover. So turn around, you know, but they don't realize <laughs> that they're like, huh, 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 where is he? You know? And all of a sudden he just like <laughs> comes emerging through the cloud cover, launching blue yeah. flames at Danny, and Drogon takes oh, off. Oh, that's so cool too, the way that. Like we were saying, that just yeah, just, just lick her barely, just licking on her and like, she, oh <laughs> my god, yeah, and she's panicking. Like you can see, Daenerys is freaking her out. The look on her face, like yeah, her full eye- on oh her expressive Danny eyebrows. eyebrows, yeah, full yeah. on Danny eyebrows, and she's like, ah, like her face is all freaking <laughs> out and everything, and and Drogon is panicking himself, and Viserion is like comparable to Drogon in size at this point. It seems. Um, terrifyingly, and is potentially even more powerful now with the ice magic combined with the fire magic. And so he's, he's, you know, shooting the fire at at Drogon and Danny, and we get more epic close-ups of Viserion's face. Whoa! Like, amazing! Just like ripped. Yeah. Finally, I saw when it got, his jaw got ripped off that time. I didn't notice it the first time. There was a a shot when he was taken down the the wall at the end of last season, where it's like, Uh And it's just like close up on his face as he's like going back and forth and he's making this like like weird clicking sound. And uh-huh. then you get it again here as he's just yeah, like launching Yeah, I, I wrote that down too. Yeah, it's super. Yeah, it's really creepy sound. Really well done. Whatever they did to make that sound like 
Good work, fully. That's artist. like the that's one of the best parts, especially when they breathe when they do Dracars and they're breathing the fires and that, that <laughs> build up to it is like, oh Yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> and so um I'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> so the Night King like freaks her the fucks the fuck out. Danny is like freaked out. And as soon as she's like flying away and she's not like stopping anytime soon the night king like <laughs> like changes modes and dr- uh, viserion like tucks his wings in and like that bat symbol like that bat craft mm-hmm. the bat plane just dips straight downward and whoo, free fall velocity 9.1 meters per second cubed just <laughs> or is it 9.7 i don't know i'm losing my <laughs> my my random knowledge but just free fall acceleration, just flying down through through the clouds. And then John and Danny kind of like regroup above the cloud cover there again. And they're like, oh, God, this is fucked. They're fucking, looking at each other like. Like, this is fucked. Like, I don't know, like, if we're going to make it through this type thing. And then in in tandem, they just both, like, the, dra- the dragons do the same thing. They just tuck their wings in and it looks just like that bat logo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they just, whoo, really? just descend through the through the fog. Oh my God. Amazing. And just how the music too. The music is just like, it, it, oh God. it adds to the episode. intensity of it. You're just right. feeling so like, ah, uh, like mm-hmm. you're on a ride. So good. Amazing music all throughout this series. Um, this has to win something. Like, yeah, just, he has to. has to. So it's, they sort of started off the episode at odds with each other and not necessarily on the same page about their attack strategy and everything like that. But now they're mm-hmm. in tandem. They're together and they whoo, mm-hmm. dip down together and dive hard through the fog. And it cuts back to Arya, who's now like inside of Winterfell. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she creeps through like a doorway and and we, we, it's interesting. We never really see, have seen too much of the interior of Winterfell, but I've always yeah. wanted to because I love castles and love stonework. And it, I'm always just mm-hmm. fascinated by like the passages going through castles and like how there's always like hidden passages and everything like that. Like I, <laughs> I'm a weirdo. I've, when, I, when I've played certain video games like Halo, uh, where they have like forge mode or something, I end oh, up, yeah. I end up building these massive structures with all these secret passages and stuff. Like I've, I built a pyramid in Minecraft just to show off for my friend's six-year-old son. (laughs) Uh, But I ended up like going so hard on it. I built like this massive pyramid and like these giant castles, like a castle underwater inside of a glass pyramid that holds out, you know, like all the waters. Like I built like crazy stuff, you know, and like a giant, giant pyramid that's partially underground. And then the only way you can get to it is like a giant granite labyrinth that you have to traverse to get through it. Like I totally... And there's actually two labyrinths that never connect with each other. I, I like went all like way, way like kind of crazy on it and like totally blew his mind. I like that your brain works that way. Somebody's oh, got to do it. it was, Somebody's got to build our castles. I, I should upload a video of it because it's just so cool. Love that, that whole thing that I made. <laughs> so um, Arya ends up in the library. And you got to be quiet in the library, you know, (laughs) can't make too much noise in the library. (laughs) People are reading or you don't want to disturb (laughs) the dead in this case. (laughs) So true to form, Arya is being real quiet in the library, creeping around, hiding up against the bookshelves. I keep thinking, climb the bookshelves and get out of there, you know, climb up. Yeah, no kidding, huh? Yeah. (laughs) 
Uh, so she she's doing that whole splinter cell thing, uses the book to distract them. There's this one. Oh, this was my Jurassic Park. This is the one oh, where yeah. I was like, this is Jurassic, Jurassic Park. Park. This is the velociraptors Raptors. in the freezer. Yeah, and the door handles and stuff, right? Yeah. And the reflection, like smashing into the freezer because he thinks it's the kid, but it's freezing. a reflection. And <laughs> and so there's this one walker, which they point out in the Game Revealed documentary. Some French, oh yeah, French performance like artist who's like a contortionist. Yeah. yeah, it's that guy that kneels down to look under the table for her. We see him all throughout the scene, like very creepy, um, eerie movements. I think it was a good casting for that. Really great. Oh, and casting. he's really like skinny, like like. Yeah, he's got oh, the he's... physique of a <laughs> of a white like, for sure. Been dead for a long time, kind of white. <laughs> <laughs> no offense, bro- brother. Oh, Love it works for him. He's making money off of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's cool with it. And so um, she he she hides under the table and he creeps down and looks under at her and she's gone somehow. And like, it's like the distance between his eyes being above those two inches of wood and below those two inches of wood. Somehow she wasn't visible either. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Physically, I don't know how that works, but I'll, I'll accept it just for the, for the fun. So <laughs> she's, she throws the book and ends up like there. She's like moving through it, like na- navigating through this whole library as the undead are like all around her. It's pretty intense, but she distracts them. She's amazing too. Maisie was amazing in this scene. Her eyes, yeah. just the way she's, she's take, drinking everything in that's around her, looking like, where everyone is. She when she's like taking in, in her scene. breaths. Yeah. Really mm-hmm. in it. And like, seems like she was really there and like legit. It's really good. And so, um, yeah. she throws the book, creeps through a doorway <laughs> And slowly pushes back on the door. And it just made like, mm-hmm. it just must have made like the tiniest little bit of noise. And yeah. it wasn't even the whites in that room that like first reacted. It was apparently whites in another room because they come busting through the door. Oh, yeah. yeah. Not a door that we expected she hears them. them. Yeah. Yeah. And she oh, freaks out. And then they bust out. through the door that she just came out of. And she's like, obviously, she must have had another means of egress because she goes running towards the camera and down mm-hmm. a hallway. And it's at this point where she like is in a fucking maze, basically, of Winterfell. Mm-hmm. Luckily, she knows her way around this maze because she spent her but childhood it make, here. It makes us so fucking uncomfortable. I was just like, Whoa. like know, she keeps getting so... these new turns. And I'm like, dear God, I keep thinking she's hitting a dead end. Yep. And that's the other thing I love, too, is mazes. I built a giant maze in Halo for a level. I, like I said, the two labyrinths, you know, in uh-huh. Minecraft, like mazes are fucking cool so i'm this whole time i'm geeking out you know i was gonna say <laughs> this is like so your jam fun. yeah and <laughs> she's running through all the halls and they're just like coming from all directions and she'll she'll like turn around one corner and be like nope can't go that way <laughs> like turn around and run the other way and i'm like oh my god it's and they're just, just like, so insane just the way they look they're f- scurrying and freaking yeah. out right behind her they're just on her oh and we forgot to mention she does stab one woman in the head in the library. Oh, that's right. She comes around the corner and like, yeah, she's just face to face. Instantly stabs her. And as she, (laughs) yeah. And she like pulls the knife out and like, like you can see the woman's jaw, like like collapse and just blood starts coming out. And she like falls right on Arya and it's just like, so gross. Great job there. I love that moment too. And, um, so, Arya running through the mazes, the maze of Winterfell here, kind of reminded me of her experience in King's Landing, chasing cats, running through the alleyways oh, yeah. and mm-hmm. sneaking off. And then she's got to like hide in the, in the, dun- in the crypts as 
Illyrio and Varys are going by and she's like hiding. She eavesdrops on that. Yeah. And then she sneaks through the, like the labyrinth of the black, like the black passageways underneath the red keep and comes out in the fucking drainage tunnel (laughs) outside of the wall. I don't know. It just kind of reminded me of that, like sneaking through like alleyways and passages and. This is when it cuts back down to the crypt and there's the slaughter outside of the doors. Oh, and the soldiers screaming, yeah. open up, open, open the door. Up. Don't open the door. Uh, Don't open the door. Yeah, right. <laughs> but it's, it's kind of like that moment where all the Dothraki get killed because we know they're mm-hmm. dying, but we can't see what's happening and it makes it all the mm-hmm. more freaky. It's and also, then, I mean, the look on, their, on, our, or on Sansa's face is just like... She was so conflicted. She didn't know what to do. She knows what she wanted to do, but she just felt, I just felt bad for her. Her face was like sad. <laughs> so sad. Yeah. And man, it's brutal. And it's, it's also kind of like that scene at hard home where they close the gates and then the yeah. mist is coming down from the mountains and all of the people are banging, trying to get through the gates, but they've closed them. And then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. all the banging stops. And the Magnar of Then oh. walks up and peers through a little hole in the gate. And it's just gone. Everybody's gone. And we don't know, like, what happened. That's kind of like, it kind of reminded me of this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Same type thing. Then they'll just rush to get the gate. <laughs> Love that. And um, so now it cuts to the Hound and Beric as they're creeping through the halls, working together, looking for Arya. And I do like the duo of Beric and the Hound as well. Mm-hmm. Odd couple. You wouldn't expect them to be together, but Beric just feels drawn to the Hound. You can tell. Like They he, never seem to get to a point where they like each other very much, yeah, but it just works. Unfortunately, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's almost like the Hound is just always so abrasive and horrible that I feel like Beric, like, it, it almost becomes endearing to Beric at, at a point. It does. He just brushes it off like, okay. Right, because he's insulting him in the <laughs> last hound. episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Silly hound. Oh, hound. <laughs> Give him a noogie. Like, at the end of the last uh, um, episode, when Arya briefly meets the hound upon the battlements, and then the Beric shows up, and the hound's like, the Lord of Light will wonder why, you know, why I, he brought you back 19 times just for me to chuck you off this fucking wall. <laughs> you know, like he's insulting him, but then he tosses mm-hmm. him the wineskin and they're like, yeah, takes the wineskin drinks. It's like they have like, that's like part of their friendship is like this, like assholeness, you know, like yeah, it's part of the dynamic that they've both come to expect. But it it is interesting, you know, that the hound is right there when Beric dies. Well, then, and that's, wasn't that one of the last things that Arya says? Like, what, what was it? Like, um. In the last episode, like, I don't want to spend my last moments with you, you miserable two. shits. Yeah. Miserable old and then shits. Who, I mean, who is she with? Yeah, true. In his last moments. It's yep. true. Yeah. Um, That's crazy. So they're like kind of wandering through the halls and they hear something. And all of a sudden the door bashes through. <laughs> and Arya is just nice. on her back. Ah! <laughs> with white, <laughs> white coming down on her. And Beric just instinctively takes his flaming sword and just wah, throws it. And it boom, impales the white. Love it. Fucking gangster. That was so cool. That flaming sword flying through the air. And like, oh man, it was just so Without, great. I mean, just how fast he did it too. He just so. Just instant. Instant. And man, what a dangerous move. That's a long blade. If that thing isn't pointing perfectly hor- like horizontally when it hits that white, 
or gets to that point, it could have easily taken out Arya in the rotation oh, yeah. as it's spinning, you know, like, so, um, he runs up and grabs her and like throws her to the hound and immediately starts getting stabbed mm-hmm. by the whites, like right through his armor and shit. And I'm like, Oh my God, he's just getting repeatedly stabbed over and over. And the hound's like, come on, we gotta go. You know? He's like pushing Arya along and Beric is like stumbling behind him. And at one point, Arya sees that Beric is overrun and she grabs an axe, an obsidian axe, and returns to help him. Mm-hmm. And and she's fighting off these whites around him. And Beric is like momentarily free again. And he pushes her along and the hound picks her up at this point yep. and starts carrying her along. And as Beric is stumbling away, he has his Jesus moment where he he starts holding like the walls and holding back the whites behind him. And he's got his arms outstretched to like Jesus on the cross. And they're just he stabbing him crucifix. in the guts. Yeah. Just like, like Jesus being like impaled through the ribs. Mm-hmm. Right. They're stabbing him right in the ribs as he's in the crucifix position. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was just like, Oh man, like right on, you know, like pretty on the, on the, on the head with that one, the imagery oh, there yeah. they're showing us giving his life to, for, the, you know, um, for for the sins of Arya and and, <laughs> and uh, the Hound, you know, um, yeah, for life, and so they come rushing into the great mess hall, the great hall, and somehow Beric manages to catch up with them, and he just collapses into the room and just falls right over around the corner and is just in really rough shape, yeah. like imminently dying. <laughs> mm-hmm. Arya comes running around to him and kneels down. And before he can even get out a word, he starts yeah. like moving his mouth and just, uh, you know, and just dies. And all of a sudden, the hound and Arya realize as words ring out from behind them that Melisandre is in the same room. And she's like, the Lord brought him back for a purpose. Now that purpose has been served, right? And I've been saying all along that his purpose was going to be to save the hound, Yep. And he did, not quite in the mm-hmm. way that I predicted. I thought the hound was going to die and Beric was going to pass his life to the hound and resurrect mm-hmm. him. But he did save the hound here. And he did put his life on the line to save both Arya and the hound, fulfilling mm-hmm. the extent to, to, the, <laughs> to largely my prophecy mm-hmm. about Beric, that Beric was a, a placeholder for the hound, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so he, not only he, it's like a dual function saving here. He saves Arya, who's going to kill the night King and he saves the hound. Who's probably going to have to kill the mountain so that anybody can get anywhere near Cersei, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, that's the hope. (laughs) Yeah, that is the hope for sure. Clegane bowl 2019 has to. Yeah. So I was in, I was interested by this too. You know, Melisandre sees things in the future. She's seen herself atop the battlements of Winterfell. She's seen that Arya would shut eyes, brown, green, blue. I wondered if Melisandre knew that she needed to be in this room for this moment because she She is was just sitting there. Just waiting for Arya, <laughs> it seemed, right? So Arya shows up and and she, you know, puts the Barrack's, Barrack's death in perspective and Arya turns to her and she's like, oh my God, like, I know you. And Mel's like, and I know you. <laughs> Arya's like, you said we'd meet again. And here we are at the end of the world. I'm like, oh my God, this is so nuts. And Arya, again, bringing up what 
what she said. She's like, you said I'd shut many eyes forever. You're right about that, too. And this has to be good for Melisandre because she's been so wrong about so many things. She'd lost mm-hmm. her faith and her confidence. And so it, it must be good to hear that she's been right about a couple things. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like she was right about Arya. She's all me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so she's like, you were right about that too. And, and Melisandre, brown eyes, green eyes, and blue eyes. And blue eyes, blue eyes, you know, and... Arya's thinking, and we know that the Whites have blue eyes, and that the White Walkers mm-hmm. have blue eyes, and that the Night King has blue eyes. And man, that she'd shut many eyes. She has the opportunity to shut many, 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 many blue eyes here. All the eyes. All the blue eyes, except Tormund. Yeah, exactly. I've always had blue eyes. So. She's like, oh, my God. And she's like kind of thinking about that, that line, like the blue eyes and the brown eyes and the blue eyes. I think it's like sort of starting to sink in. And And you know how these red priestesses have a way of knowing important things that have been said to people in the past, like how Kinvara knew about the way that Varys was cut. Remember? And she was like, you want to know what the voice said that spoke to you from the flames? You know, and Varys is like terrified by that. They know these things that they like shouldn't know, you know, or the way that Melisandre even had said to John, she mimicked Grit, and she was like, "You know nothing, Jon Snow." When he turned down her advances on him, she's standing Mm -hmm. in the doorway and said that, and John was like, "Oh my god!" So she kind of does the same thing to Arya here, something that has said was said to Arya in an important moment that Melisandre should shouldn't know anything about. She she says. You know, there's this great moment. They're all like lined up in in a V formation. Arya in the front, and Melisandre and the Hound behind, as mm-hmm. uh, as they're waiting for the Whites to break through this door, basically. And and Melisandre says it. What do we say to the God of Death? Not today. Not today, motherfucker. <laughs> and <laughs> so good. So good. So like, good. It's a particularly significant moment too. That I mean. What was the context when that was said last to Arya by by Sirio Pharrell, right? It's at a moment. Was that right? Yeah. It's it's when Sirio dies. Yeah. But it, it's at a moment where somebody is putting their life on the line to protect Arya and they're telling her to get out of here and go mm-hmm. and go to, like save yourself, do something else, go. So mm-hmm. Melisandre says that what do they say to the God of death? Not today. And it's like the same thing. She realizes that the hound is going to be there fighting the people coming into the room just the way that Sirio was there fighting Marin Trant as he is, is, is giving her time to escape. She realizes mm-hmm. that she needs to like get out of there and Go. focus on her mission. Well, like, that's what she does. She knows the things that that rouse the people when they need to be roused. Yep. She knew the line. She knew the line. And oh my God, it was just so intense that evoking Cyril Pharrell in this moment and mm. bringing back Arya's sense of purpose and her training and reminding her what her goal is and what her mission is and the mention of blue eyes that she can shut forever. Where she started. Yeah. And it's just all full circle. And mm. God damn, it's just like, it's all just so poignant you know like everything here is so important important and so Arya turns and starts walking off 
And the hound is like, what the hell's going on here? And they both turn <laughs> like, where is she going? And she starts running as she like, as mm-hmm. everything is solidifying and codifying in her mind. And she's realizing what she needs to do. She's putting it together. And the music mm-hmm. starts to swell. And then it cuts to Theon as he's fending off attackers for, for Bran. And, uh, or he's about to, at least all the whites, he's rallying the, the, um, the ironborn and mm-hmm. telling him, make sure every, make every shot count. And there's this overhead shot as whites just come rushing Theon. And you see him launch a fire arrow into one white, uh. but they're like so close on him. It's like, <laughs> I don't know how he survived movie magic. Those arrows were badass too. They like the little sparks, the blue sparks that flew oh, every time he shot at someone. Nice. I missed so that. Cool. I'll have to look. Yeah, yeah there's like these little blue sparks that come out, like it's affecting them and they're sick. So, cool. so this is when it cuts back to the Night King as as he decides to descend on Winterfell, finally. Mm-hmm. And he swoops down and just blasts with the Viseria on a massive hole through the wall and one of the Winterfell's towers just destroys it and comes flying through. And all of a sudden, Rhaegal is on him and Jon is on him and there's a dragon fight in, in midair. God. And the dragons are slashing at each other with their claws. And it's this like, is where they, yeah. oh God, it's so hard to tell like who's hitting who and who's injured, right? Yeah, they're just, everyone's scratching at each other. <laughs> That's yeah. what I remember. Yeah, scratching and biting. And at one and point, biting, yeah. at one point, Viserion literally bites Jon's cloak off of his oh, back. Off. Yeah. He bites and it comes ripping off. And I was like, oh my God, that was a close call. Like inches mm. if, if he was close enough to bite the fur, but not John. Not John. Inches. Yeah. Inches. <laughs> Millimeters. You know? And I'm like, oh my God, this is just insane as they're fighting in midair. Too close. And tumbling yeah. and biting each other. And Rhaegal bites Viserion's head and rips half of his face off, like you mentioned. And I was like rewinding, like to see who was <laughs> who was hurting who, and and just so vicious, vicious. And then out of nowhere, Danny and Drogon come swooping in, and Drogon's landing gear, <laughs> his legs come out and just pluck the Night King like right off of Viserion's yep. back. And just like Bran fell from the tower or Jamie sank into the Blackwater rush, the Night King just falls back, sinks, sinks through the air calmly with like, you know, oh, yeah, so like he's eerie. done it a billion times. <laughs> right. And Drogon continues to savage Viserion as Rhaegal goes screaming and landing to the ground and it's just horrifying as he's like in pain and it's running as he lands and just collapses into the ground and John comes tumbling off and oh my god and Danny and I mean he rolls he rolls far like who Drogon or, or John John, John. <laughs> yeah. yeah totally I was like Jesus yeah and Drogon and Viserion and Danny are in like a death spiral as they're like the mm. dragons are like intertangled tumbling through the sky wrapped up in each other and Drogon is just biting on Viserion's neck. Like he's just got his neck like locked in between his jaws. And I'm like, oh my God, this is insane. And I, I feel like, I think I noticed that Rhaegal even had like tears in his wings, kind of like the undead dragon. Like, I think he did. Yeah. He looked very like badly injured. Um, yeah. Which is never good to see. And so Danny, something happened. We don't see what happens between 
Drogon and, and Viserion, but Viserion must escape and ride off because next we see is Danny hovering and she descends over the top of the Night King and the Night mm-hmm. King's just standing there and we're like, oh my God, this is happening. Right? They had asked if, if he would be killed, but if he could be killed by dragon fire just in the pr- past mm-hmm. episode, right? <clears throat> mm-hmm. One or two episodes ago. And Danny just looks down at him and they make eye contact and she just says it. Dracaris. And <laughs> Drogon just unleashes massive gout of fire and just engulfs the Night King. And this is that moment from The Last Jedi, Star Wars Episode 8, <laughs> where the, the Imperial Walker just, they all... They all um, aim their lasers together at Luke Skywalker and just blast oh, him. Yeah. <laughs> and the, and then he's, no yeah, and, yeah. And there's just like a giant cloud of dust. And in this case, in this case, a just ball of flames. Fire. And as the fire fades away, the Night King is just still standing there, still strong, unaffected, unaffected. And he just kind of yeah, like grins up at Danny. Oh. oh my God. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> he smiled. I was like, fuck you. And the way he tilts his head too throughout the whole is just like. Yeah. Hmm. Yep. Like, that, like when he tells know. John, come at me, he like kind of cocks his head like the Joker yeah. almost. Yeah, he does. And, and with like, Bran too. So when he's looking serious. at Bran at the end, he kind of does this little like, like quick. Head cock thing. Interesting. What? Freaks me out though. I. I don't even know yeah. what it means, but it freaked me out. If it was like the actor that added something to the character, it works. Whatever. Yeah, it was. definitely. So, uh, so Danny freaks out, and Drogon freaks out as the Night King reaches and grabs another ice spear and starts to launch it at Drogon, and just barely misses him. Oh man, that was close. So close. Too close <laughs> for comfort. <laughs> and. Um, you know, they fly off and John had been, he had fallen off Rhaegal close mm-hmm. by. So he's been like approaching basically this whole time. And he sees mm-hmm. the Night King alone and the Night King just calmly starts strolling towards Winterfell. Just walking along. <laughs> so calm. Not a, not a care in the world. And John unsheaths long claws, starts running after him. And he must hear him because he turns around, right? Uh-huh. And stops and immediately just raises his hands and cocks oh his head. Oh, my God. And John, like, he turned around and they both he sort remembers. of stopped. Yeah, they remember each other. And then he lifts his arms and John remembers that moment from the dock and what happened. And he's like, fuck, 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 and starts running forward. And the dead are just popping up. And he's looking back and, and forth as they're coming out, yeah. as they're starting to move. You can see him like, oh, shit, oh, and, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit. Yeah, and his pathway to the Night King is just becoming more and more obfuscated and blocked by these, mm-hmm. these whites as they're all rising. Mm-hmm. And we get Ed, his eyes turning white. We get Liana Mormont, her eyes turning white. We get Danny's lead blood rider. Who yeah, I, oh, yeah. And I think he actually is crawling on Drogon at the like trying to stab her. He, he was. I he, saw that. Yeah, he gets launched off of Drogon. Uh-huh. Um, horrifying. And so John's trying to rush the Night King, but the dead are just, there's just too many of them. And I'm like, fuck, John's fucked. He's totally surrounded. Like, he's fucked. They're just standing there at first, too. Yeah, like, they're all just standing, waiting for the command by the Night King. I guess he's like... He raises them and then he's like, activate, you know, and they all just start yeah, and then he walks closing off. on John. Yeah. And he just walks off casually. And John, he would have said, well, your people fight for you when they see you won't fight for them. You know? But 
But in this case, yeah, they will because they're powered by necromancy. <laughs> so the Night King just yeah. walks off and they keep fighting. <laughs> the sentiment doesn't work here, unfortunately. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Didn't work with Ramsey either. That's true. Worth a shot. But uh, Jamie is fighting in the courtyard and stops as the dead all start to rise around him. And everybody's like, oh, my God. Like, no, this Everyone's can't be happening. Like fucking like, oh, my God, are you kidding me? Like, we just me? killed all these people. <laughs> <laughs> and now our friends are with them. God damn. And the they worst. just look spent. They look so spent, man. They yeah. just look like, like, there's no way. Right. There's no way. And it's like people who were they were just fighting with are now fighting yeah. against them. I, just killed you. Yeah, or like we <laughs> just, just killed, got killed. We were just working together. Yeah, and now like yeah. they're fighting, and um, the White Walkers that were out by the the woods when John tried to burn them before, but got interrupted by the fog. They're all walking towards Winterfell in a V strolling formation in. now, in the Mighty Ducks formation, strolling mm-hmm. in. And this is when the dead start to stick their hands through the walls of the crypts. <laughs> and uh, who's who sees it first? I think it's Gilly. Gilly, yeah, or, one yeah. Of, or the little girl, one of them. Gilly's like, what the I fuck? I think it was Gilly. Yeah, I think She's it was Gilly. Like, <laughs> and all these dead just start coming out, and it's just not good. And this, like, John is being swamped by all those whites, and all of a sudden, Drogon Ex Machina <laughs> appears <laughs> out of nowhere and starts roasting all of the uh, the whites around John. And, oh, man, it's like he's just sitting there parked on the ground, just roasting all around him. And he's, he stops for a second, and it's just like that whole area all around John is just scorched earth. Mm-hmm. I am talking scorched earth, motherfucker. I am talking scorched earth, motherfucker. And uh, <laughs> we are flaming dragon. <laughs> Tropic thunder. And uh, <laughs> Tom Cruise. Gotcha. And uh, John's like, Bran. He tells Danny, like, I got to go to Bran. And she's like, go. She should have been like, hop on. I'll fly you there. But, you know, aside from <laughs> Yeah, it can't he's make things too easy. He's trying to be the easy. hero this whole episode. He's like, it's it's me. I'm the hero. I'm the hero. Right. I liked and how they sort of like played, like joked about that in the, the game revealed thing too. He's like, he's like, it was supposed to be me who killed the Night King. Stupid Arya did it. <laughs> Kids all mad <laughs> yeah, about wasn't it. Yeah, it? They're talking to, to Maisie and she's like, oh yeah, I found out. I was so excited. I don't know what John thinks. I'm sure he likes it or something. Yeah, and it she, was, she was like, I'm just glad it was me and not John. Or me and not Kit or something. <laughs> yeah. So funny. He cut to Kit. He's like, it was it was supposed to be me. I was the one that was supposed to. I'm pissed I didn't get to kill him. Totally. <laughs> so <laughs> so Danny and Drogon are sitting there for some reason after John goes running off. And I'm thinking, take off. You know, why are you just sitting there? And Danny's just sitting there casually. And we get a shot of like White's approaching from behind Drogon and his tail kind of flicks him. And I thought, yeah. oh, cool. And then she, yeah, she's not even paying attention. Yeah, she's not even paying attention. You can see him like climbing up as she's just sitting there. I thought, you remember how at the bat, the loot train battle, Drogon just like whack, destroyed the uh, the the scorpion. <laughs> Fuck this thing. Yeah, yeah, with his tail Fuck just smashed it. Fuck that, <laughs> Fuck that wagon. I thought he was going to do that and just like whack, destroy all these whites with his tail. But he was kind of distracted too, I guess, and didn't realize they were all Mm -hmm. approaching him. And before they know it, Drogon is just being covered in whites. Just stabbing. Terrifying. And they're, yeah, they're just shanking him left and right. And you can hear him squealing in pain. Oh, it's so like horrible. And Danny is like 
fucked. I'm like, oh my God. Like I literally, I legit thought Danny was about to die here. Like she just saved John. Yeah. I thought she was going to die. She saved John. She's about to get killed because Drogon can't Mm -hmm. take off. And these whites are just all over. We get that blood rider who's trying to stab her like near miss and gets Mm -hmm. launched off back to the ground. And Danny gets launched off herself. And falls to the ground just and like Drogon's Jorah. Like, <laughs> yeah, Drogon's like <laughs> he like shakes him off. Yeah, shaking his body and like he ends up taking off into the air, and all of those whites are like clinging on to him as he's rising into the sky and flapping his wings, and he's just shaking himself trying to get them off. Good thing Danny managed to get off of him before that, because she definitely would have gotten shaken off as he's trying to shake oh, yeah. off all those things, you know. And um, it kind of made me think of the battle at Hardhome when the giant comes busting out of that hut and all of the oh. all of the whites are climbing all over him. Mm-hmm. And he's like picking them off and throwing them. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Totally foreshadowing Drogon being swamped by whites at this oh at this God. point. And they're just crawling. The CGI all over on that him. was amazing too. Just the way his skin yeah. like moved on his body. Incredible. It was like, it's so real. I know. Like, I don't like know it, how anybody's ever going to surpass what they've accomplished with this show. With yeah, CGI. The, the attention to the detail that they have with these dragons is like, they love these dragons. Like they, they put a lot of love into them. I'm so glad. Yeah, definitely, definitely. A lot of I'm love. I'm glad that's where a lot of the budget went because it makes all the difference. Just in little things like that, just the way the skin moved on his body was yep, like totally. What? So I was like, oh my god, she's gonna die here. She's alone. Drogon has abandoned her, to just trying to save his own skin. And like, oh, what the fuck, dude? Like, holy shit! I cannot believe it. As Danny is left alone outside of the trench, outside of the walls with With nobody there to help her and nothing. And whites are just enclosing all around her. And she's like scrambling backwards on the ground as they're like approaching. And all of a sudden Jorah out of nowhere, the heart Spain just cuts down whites that are going for her. And I'm like, thank you. You Thank you. Like after everything, like, like you, like we talked about before Everything that Jorah has gone through is leading up to this, where he can be there to save Danny when it counts. Everything he's gone through is leading up to this moment, putting his life on the line to save her. That's all he's ever wanted to do is fight and die if necessary for for his Khaleesi. And live if necessary. Yeah, and live if necessary. (laughs) Yeah, awesome. I like that. I haven't given you permission to leave. You will go find a cure. (laughs) And, um... He is just going all out to save Danny here, you know, fighting his he's, last little bit of everything, last bit of everything. He's keeps getting stabbed and slashed and he's like stuck on his knees at one point and he's fighting from his knees and we don't get the death quite yet. It cuts back to John as he tries to traverse. He begins to traverse the courtyard, one of the courtyards at Winterfell. And as he's walking through, Whites are just spilling over the edges of the walls. Like like if you're like taking a cup of water and like holding it, you're pulling it down underneath the water until the water just starts like spilling into the cup. You know, it's that type of uh-huh. phenomenon where they're just dumping in around the edges all over the and place. he's leaving everyone. He has to ju- – he's just – he sees everyone yep. fighting. Everyone's in their own little battle. Yeah, and they're all like, all of our heroes are like standing on mountains of corpses, just fighting to live at this point, just 
trying to stay alive. And just fighting the next one that that's in front of them. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And yeah, my heart shatters as John sees Sam, but has to leave him to go for Bran. I couldn't believe it. I was like yelling at my TV, like, you have to save Sam. You can't leave Sam, you know, <laughs> freaking out. And uh, he, he realizes that he only has one path to go and he cuts through this like covered walkway and all these whites are like falling through the ceiling around him. And at one point, like debris lands on him and knocks him down and he gets up and all these whites are coming at him and he goes through this gate and closes the gate just like at the last possible moment, (laughs) last nanosecond possible and all their arms and like fingers are like coming through the gate. (laughs) Right. So cool. Just That's freaky to me, that whole like. (laughs) Yeah, totally. (laughs) <laughs> Reminded me of Walking Dead when the fingers are coming through the doors in the pilot episode. Oh, Don't yeah. open dead inside. You so know? good. Yeah. <laughs> and so this it cuts back to Theon and the Ironborn as they're defending Bran. And I'm thinking, where the fuck is Bran through all of this? He warged out into those ravens. What is he doing now? It's just recording. I thought, yeah, I thought <laughs> I he was like maybe doing. on like some important mission. Like he had to do something, but we we don't get any idea what he's doing. Maybe he's just monitoring the night. I think he's just seeing what's going on because as soon as it, as soon as the battle and everything gets to where he's at, he he comes back out like, oh shit, none of this worked. Everyone is basically failing. Like he can, (laughs) if he can best have a strategic um, effect, if he's able to witness everything that's happening and knows what's happening everywhere, he can at least like potentially pop back in and be like, get word to this person to do this or make sure this happens because this is happening Knows over where. there, you know? Yeah. So maybe he's just monitoring everything. Um, I think so. But now... I think that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Danny and Jorah are making their last stand together. Tyrion and Sansa are hiding together in the crypts behind one of those tombs at this point. And this mm-hmm. is such a crazy moment. <laughs> like so powerful. No words either. No, no words. words. Like Rachel says, it's the most powerful moment. Yeah. And they're, they're like looking at each other and like all hope is lost as you can see just like the dead behind them walking throughout the crypt. And you can hear the screaming in the background and Sansa pulls out a knife, dragon glass dagger. And the way she was holding it, I thought she was going to like Harakiri, like stab herself in the gut. You know, like it, it looked like she, to me, I was like, oh, my God, she's oh, about yeah. to commit suicide. I can see that. Like Cersei in the throne room before, like somebody else can kill her. At least she can kill herself, you know, and like mm-hmm. I was like, oh, my God, Sansa's about to kill herself. And the, like that's when Tyrion, like she makes it clear, like we need to fight, you know, and that's when Tyrion yeah. like, pulls out his own knife. He takes her hand and like they have this like this beautiful moment where they're looking each other in the eyes and he kisses her hand. And it's just like, oh my god, this is so crazy! Like, if they sur- if they survive this, how can they not end up a couple at this point? You know what I mean? They have to be a couple. They after have this. love for each other, you know. It, yeah. it's there. So, and then like Tyrion decides to make the first move, and he like <sighs> like lets out a breath and turns and runs around the corner. And I was like, no, I was sure Tyrion was going to die at this point, putting himself this on the is line. Where we get that, this is where we get that great transition too. The Tyrion to John. As he oh, turns the corner the and then corner. John comes out. Oh, nice. Yeah, I didn't catch so that. Good. You will now. <laughs> yeah, I'll pay more attention next time. And so, um, yeah, like based on our theorizing about Tyrion being in the crypts and the, the undead, the dead rising in the crypts, I thought for sure Tyrion was a goner here when he runs out mm-hmm. to try to 
you know, clear the way for Sansa or whatever. I was like, fuck. And this is when... Because well, it looked like they couldn't get through that. It looked like it was just chaos down there. Yeah. From our perspective. Right. Like, they had done. the perfect hiding spot. They should have just know, stayed there. Why even that's move? That's what I was thinking. <laughs> just stay there. Yeah. So then it cuts out to John running into the courtyard and Viserion lands on the wall, berserking like erratically and flames just spilling from all the holes ripped in his face and his neck and his body, just oozing out everywhere. And Jorah is cuts back, and there he's just being stabbed over and over and slashed, and like it, the just fighting desperately to protect his Khaleesi. I and, will cry. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm not even watching the episode and just thinking about it, it makes me want to cry. It's yeah, same Jorah. here. Same here, man. <laughs> and people are falling in the crypts. You know, little girls are being killed and dragged into the darkness by whites. And Tyrion comes running around the corner and hides in an alcove. And it just so happens that Varys is hiding in that <laughs> alcove with children and the elderly. And, oh, man, it I did not like seeing Varys being helpless either. It made me feel really uncomfortable seeing Varys sitting there without being able to do anything. And just kind of like yeah, he this pain. look in his face. Like, like yeah, it was really rough. It, like, I like Varys, you know, I didn't want to see him die. Uh, yeah. And this is when that music comes in that sounds like the alternate version of the Light of the Seven from that mm. Baylor, Sept of Baylor explosion episode, mm-hmm. piano and everything. And John is trying to get through the courtyard and being narrowly missed by the flames. Trying to go, looks yeah. like he's trying to go through or go like trying to find all these different ways to yep. get through. Just any way to get past Viserion and... The Night King is in the Godswood now as the music gets real dark and real dire. And the Night King is, and Theon is defending Bran and just, oh my God, just fighting like a champion, dude. Arrows and I don't, I think at this point he's still got his arrows, but. Oh yeah. And then you remember he reaches down and then. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. He reaches for his, for an arrow, realizes that there's none left and starts using his bow and then he gets a spear. And at this point, mm-hmm. he has the spear, and he's just taking down all these guys, and like um, somebody's like a white's about to kill him from like over the top, and he like oh, stabs up into him and kills him. Yeah. And all of a sudden, like there's nobody else that's attacking Theon. He's killed all of them, except he hasn't. Now they're just all standing in a circle surrounding Bran, just waiting because the Night King is here. Yeah. And the music's all crazy and the, the whites start separating and you can see the Night King standing there in the distance and he walks up and like sort of stops at the edge of the crowd. And and this is when Bran wakes up and the Night King pauses here almost as if to let Bran and Theon address each other quickly before the battle ensues. And much as... Much as the Red Viper of Dorne paused and didn't fin- finish off the mountain when he should have, the Night King pauses here and doesn't finish off Bran. And this pause, this hesitation, is what gives Arya the time to get here and to take him out. Mm-hmm. So the Night King, for some reason, didn't just walk right up to Bran and finish him and left like he, it was like almost like a moment of chivalry. He We're was like, like studying him or something because that's when he kind of cocks his head a little. He kind of is looking at him and he kind of cocks his head a little tiny bit 
And mm. it's like he was studying him or they were there. It's like they were making an agreement with each other. Like, this is how this is going to go down or oh, something. I, I think that's after because Theon's still alive where I'm talking. About. Oh, that, that that's right. So he's pausing, oh, waiting. Yeah, it's Theon like, hasn't gotten killed yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like he's like it's like um, Arthur Dane. There's famous stories where he's fighting um, the smiling knight or something. And he keeps breaking this guy's swords over and over. And mm-hmm. pausing to let the the fighter retrieve another sword to fight with because it's the honorable thing to do. You don't want to kill your enemy when they're disarmed. You want you want it to be a fair fight. You want to you know, like a knight will fight with chivalry. So mm-hmm. the Night King pauses here and lets Bran and Theon talk to each other. And it was almost like a moment of chivalry from the Night King right. where he's like observing the, this like tradition of respect among fighters, which was really interesting to me. And then Theon, you know, this is the moment between Theon and Bran, right, where, <laughs> where Bran tells him as if like he couldn't die happy enough with Bran's forgiveness. Now Bran like tells him, Theon, you're a good man. Thank you. <laughs> you know? And it's like, oh, my God, like everything is leading to this moment. And Theon turns and nods at the Night King and gives the Night King, okay, it's time to fight. You know? And that that like chivalry, the Night King steps forward at that moment to fight. And what the fuck was Theon thinking here? Like what could he have possibly thought was gonna like like I'm gonna, he, I'm he gonna... was gonna win with his little dragon glass well, I mean, spear, whatever it was. Maybe he could have won with the dragon glass spear, but he points it right at him, runs at him. And runs from <laughs> right, telegraphing the whole time. I'm going to thrust this at you. I'm going to thrust this at you. I'm going to thrust this at you. know, and all the Night King has to do is just parry it. And he just grabs it and snaps it with his hand and then just wah, <laughs> stabs right, brutally stabs right through Theon, Theon's gut. And just like, oh, the metal pokes out of his armored back plate. Mm. And it's just like dripping blood and just drops to the ground. And woof, Theon is probably a goner at this point. (laughs) Terrible charging attack. (laughs) And Bran is now defenseless. There is nobody between, oh, no one. There's nobody between Bran and the Night King right now. Nobody between the Night King and Bran, I should say, as the Night King slowly starts moving again towards Bran. Oh my God! Much like Hodor, Man. yeah. Much like Hodor protected Bran just for just long enough so that Mira could get him to Benjen, and that mm-hmm. was Hodor's mission—just keeping him alive just that long. Theon protects Bran for just long enough so that Arya can swoop in to finish him off. Theon's mission is just to keep Bran alive just long enough for Arya to show up. You know, so I thought that was like sort of poetic how all these people are just like just (laughs) keeping Bran alive long enough yeah that's all it is everyone just had this purpose and everyone did it like to the T the way Mm -hmm. they were supposed to it's insane the way they wrote this totally totally and um, so it cuts back to Jorah who's on his knees and somehow somehow Jorah manages to rise to his feet to continue to fight for his Khaleesi and I'm just it's like his love for oh Khaleesi. my god like yeah <laughs> powering him yeah powered by love and uh yeah I'm just like oh my god just the sheer will to protect Daenerys is so powerful coming from Jorah it's amazing 
and the Night King's getting even closer to Bran, and John is desperately trying to pass Viserion, and John decides to make a hail mary and try to traverse the court courtyard, like I mentioned before, and yeah. faces off with Viserion, and so stupidly, like he's just about to get shredded, just yeah. fucking shredded, and um, this is the moment where. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, as Bran and the Night King make eye contact and he reaches back, the White Walker's hair wisps, Arya flies in out of nowhere, and just boom! <laughs> the Night King, ding, ding dong, the Night King is dead. <laughs> yeah, that drop move. That is the move. Whoa. So epic. I got so it. epic. You got it. Got it. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's fitting for the Arya an agent of the many-faced God to strike the final blow to the night King, um, considering that he's basically undoing all the night and all the, all the, the many-faced gods work. Like I said, you know, resurrecting all these people. Interestingly yeah. though, now it's like the prince that was promised. The whole concept of the prince that was promised is just like blown out the window. Like it, apparently that it never mattered. It's, it's like those things that, like one of the things that Jorah or Jorah that George R. R. Martin likes to do with his books is he includes prophecies, but he makes them so that they're unreliable. You know, like you like mm. people can work their whole lives based on a prophecy and then it doesn't happen. Like Rhaegar thinks for his whole life that he's the prince that was promised. And then he thinks that it's his son that's the prince that was promised. But then like the whole thing falls apart and Rhaegar is killed and everybody dies, and Rhaegar or and um Aegon Little Aegon is dashed against the wall, and you know John. He doesn't even know he has another son because John is born after Rhaegar dies, right? So mm-hmm. there's all these instances of prophecies and false prophecies, and, and everyone looking for the prophecy, right? And how self-fulfilling it fits in. prophecies, and yeah, and yeah, Melisandre searching for prophet, like trying to make the prophecy happen, and all this. And it's just interesting. Like I guess the prince that was promised, or some of these prophecies. They're just false. They're just, they're just fever dreams. Essentially, they just don't. They're not real. You know, well, mm-hmm. I guess. I and mean, that's interesting. Just the way things work out like that. Sometimes, you know. I still want to see how the rest of everything. I mean, you just never know. You never know how it, how the rest of the episodes are going to pan everything out. Right. I just want to see the full picture. <laughs> so I had a theory, a while a few episodes ago, that Arya could pose as a White Walker wear the face mm-hmm. of a dead man to get close enough to the Night King to kill him. And mm-hmm. we don't know that that didn't happen. She could have been. I was going to say that. Yeah. I was going to say that earlier, yeah. She could have been posing as one of those white that walkers. That could be exactly how she got through, how right. she got so close. Exactly. We we may have seen the wisp from that white walker's hair because the white walker that was just standing next to him just started running forward all of a yeah, sudden. Yeah, just and we're pulling off of her her face <laughs> and just jumping at the night king so it's you know it's still possible that that's what happened just saying <laughs> we don't know for sure that she didn't Game of do Thrones, that man i'm i'm in yeah it's kind of it, you could argue that it's implied <laughs> and um so the the night king drops all of the whites in the courtyard start dropping the whites that are climbing the walls outside of winterfell start dropping in these the body bridges that they're building are just collapsing and all the whites collapse and now that Khaleesi is safe Jorah collapses as well 
And in true Game of Thrones fashion, he doesn't manage to even get out a simple I love you, I love or, you or Khaleesi or, or anything. Just like Beric Dondarrion, um, Danian closes on him in tears, sobbing, and he dies before he can utter a single word, having completed his mission. I think in peace, you know. Kills me. And I know, then it's the so part sad. that kills me is um Drogon when he comes Oh my down. god. Yeah, because Drogon since since the day Drogon was born, Jorah was a fixture in his life. He knew Jorah, mm -hmm. you know, better than most people. So he so, senses that and he senses how he senses Danny and yeah. how destroyed she is, and so he's like it's just so the way they did that was beautiful and it destroy it's destroying me right now I know. thinking about it. <laughs> he lands and <laughs> boom and wraps his head around and kind and of pulls them. his wing around and it's like almost like hugging them without touching them but protecting them mm -hmm. from anything that could be around. And he like his head like goes down and you can tell that <laughs> even Drogon is sad, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's so sad. Um <sighs> so it's pretty poetic that the cat's paw dagger was originally assigned to kill Bran, but ends up coming full circle and saving his life with Arya. Mm -hmm. It's also poetic that he gave it to Arya when he was first reunited with her right away in at the, the godswood at this mm -hmm. tree. <laughs> and here it is back with her to defend him at this tree when he needs it. And it's interesting also, Littlefinger may have been the one who initially put this dagger in play. Mm -hmm. It was his dagger, as far as we know, right? Mm -hmm. So, in a way, this victory would have been impossible without Littlefinger. That fucking Littlefinger. <laughs> Littlefinger saving the day from the grave by no, Peter fucking Baelish. Right? That was so <laughs> funny. Yeah, like this, maybe the best thing he ever did was. Introducing this, this dagger to the yeah <laughs> to the play, Littlefinger being Littlefinger ended up saving the day. Like without Littlefinger, the Night King would have <laughs> won. There would have probably. not been chaos. No ladder. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, in a way, this victory would have been impossible without Littlefinger. <laughs> Hilariously, so uh, the Hound and Melisandre emerge from the Great Hall. And the hound kind of like, oh, it's like, oh, my God, what is happening? And he's like, looks mm -hmm. kind of like exhausted, like leaning on his his big ass axe that he's got. And <laughs> Melisandre just like goes straight out. Like she just walks right out past the walls, past the the corpses and the bodies. And Davos is hot on her trail. Dagger he's in hand. He's got his hand on his. Yeah. Yep. Ready for execution. And her clothes are falling off piece by piece. First, her her cloak falls off. Gets her necklace off as yeah. this is coming down very slowly, all sort of simultaneous. Mm -hmm. Drops a necklace. Like she just the, can't wait to die. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, let's do this. It's pretty insane. And she, as she takes off the necklace, the glamour must fade because Davos kind mm -hmm. of stops dead in his tracks as her hair goes from being bright red to being bright white. Mm -hmm. And her... Dress starts, wind. yeah, it starts blowing in the wind. Her dress starts to fall from her shoulders, and she just sort of her like she begins to topple and just drops to her knees and falls to the side. And uh, 
Davos, I think, his mind is blown by this. And the Hound is like, what just happened? Yeah, he kind of put it together. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. And uh, that's it. The episode ends with quiet with Melisandre dying in the field, just as it sort of began with her arriving. Mm-hmm. Um, crazy, man. What a fantastic episode. I mean, it was it was beautifully done. Everything about it was just poetic. Mm-hmm. Just amazing. And it all it all came back to everything that we've been watching. Mm-hmm. Everything that we've invested, like all the time we've invested in every one of these episodes, it all pays off. And there's a lot of one people, way or another. There's a lot of people who are criticizing the episode, saying that a lot of things, like much like Star Wars, between episode seven and eight, all these things that J.J. Abrams did, setting up the mystery of Ray's parentage and origin, all these things. Um, were seemingly just wiped away by Ryan Johnson, who apparently none of those things that J.J. Abrams set up mattered anymore. That's one of the mm-hmm. things people are criticizing about this episode. They're disappointed because they think that a lot of the, the storylines that they've come to expect, like things like The Prince That Was Promised, for instance, didn't come mm-hmm. to fruition and didn't pan out. But you can you can be mad about that, or you can look at it as sort of like, typical for the Game of Thrones world. Like we were talking about how some of these prophecies are false prophecies that they're based mm-hmm. on nothing. They're misreadings of the flames like Melisandre misread seeing Stannis as, as the prince. It you know? coincides perfe- perfectly with, the, with all of that. So really, yeah, if you think about it, exactly. So and Game of Thrones is known for not giving the fans what they want. Or at least not what it. they expect. Yeah. Not what they expect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, there it's there's certainly a valid valid points to be said for criticism for the episode for uprooting a lot of expectations but there's certainly valid reasons and and for for backing it and saying that it makes sense happening the way it happened so overall i think that it's it's been a really divisive episode the fan base seems to be divided uh, yeah. More more than I've ever seen for Game of Thrones. Like I've seen people who are saying this is no longer their favorite show after this episode, uh, which is crazy. It's just hard for me to to figure that out. It's hard for me to understand that. I couldn't think of. I mean, they would have had to do some crazy shit for me to not to get to that point. Right. This seems like it didn't do anything <laughs> that was that like it all like I when mean, you, offensive <laughs> to yeah. a fan. Right, right. And when you really think about it, like it all makes sense. Arya, the many-faced mm-hmm. god, the Night King, the false prophecies, you know, all of this, like, it all sort of fits together. Like, there's no reason we should expect a, a new Azor High because there already was an Azor High That already happened. Mm-hmm. We shouldn't be expecting history to repeat itself and for a new figure to rise in mi- mirror Azor High. There's no reason for that to happen. Whatever is going to happen is going to happen. I think it was a good distraction because then you, uh, the whole time we're sitting there following what's Danny doing? What's John doing? What We're following all the wrong people because we're in it too. We're being misled by these prophecies. Mm-hmm. We're the ones that are being misled. Right. And so they come out of left field and they're like, nope. Totally. This is not how it's going to go down. This isn't how it goes down in our world. Oh, man. So the most anticipated episode of TV of all time is is here and past at this point. And we survived and a lot more people survived than I expected to survive this episode. I really thought it was going to be like a bloodbath. And part of me is disappointed that they didn't hurt us more, like I mentioned before. But mm-hmm. 
then part of me remembers they still have three episodes to torture us exactly. and to kill Tyrion and to to kill Daenerys or Jon or because for all we know, the Night King has already been to winter to to King's Landing and has turned Cersei. You know, so he may have we may have just killed everybody here, but for all we know, Cersei's are like a White Walker down there running her own necromancy in in King's Landing. Yeah, we know how time works in Game of Thrones land, so we yeah. can't we can't be too sure about anything really. <laughs> well, at the slow speed that that army would have taken to get from the Wall to Winterfell, the Night King could have flown That's to true. King's Landing a hundred times over. You know, what I mean? That's true. So they wouldn't even have to like. There doesn't even have to be any funky timelines or anything. <laughs> um, but yeah. I, I just I just want to see where they're going to go next. I know. I, my mind is like racing with just all these new, you know, so many theories have been just killed now. I know. <laughs> now I'm like, what is next? Where, where's my mind going to go with yeah, this next? It's going to be crazy. So yeah, we can look forward so to next crazy. week. And <laughs> it's going to be so insane. And uh yeah, I guess let's wrap this up and we can move on to feedback. I'm sure we've got lots of great feedback about this episode, don't you think? Yes, I am ready for the feedback. All right. I've been I've been reading it on the Facebook page and everything. Nice. So I want, I've been so busy, yeah. I haven't had time yet. So I'm looking forward to reading it for the first time as we uh, go through it here. Good stuff. All right, stick with <laughs> us, guys. We'll be right back after a short break. Make sure to check out the new Game of Thrones rap album, The Iron Throne of Microphones, by Purpose from the rap group Tragic Allies. Just go to tragicallies.bandcamp.com to get the album for free today. This track is called Golden Lions.
Lord Bryson of House Wolf. Welp. Arya finally got to cross Beric Dondarrion off her list. I'm not too sure she wanted to kill him anymore, though. Lady Sarah of House Larkham. I have never been so nervous and pumped for an episode of Game of Thrones. I can't process what I've just seen in a, in a good way. What beyond wonderful and breathtaking and beautiful job that Ramin Javadi, Miguel Sapochnik, D.B. Weiss, and David Benioff and the entire crew did. I felt this episode was like the Battle of the Blackwater, Battle for the Wall, Hard Home, the Battle of the Bastards, the Loot Train Battle, and Eastwatch all combined into one hour and a half. It's like they put components of each battles into this episode. Loved Sansa and Tyrion acting like a married couple down in the crypts. It was so sad when Jorah fell and Daenerys was sobbing, heartbreaking. Theon sacrificing himself for Bran was perfect and also really sad. I felt Theon redeemed himself for me when he saved Sansa from Ramsay. I was genu genuinely shocked when Arya stabbed the Night King. Lyanna going out like Lady OG was awesome with a head injury nevertheless was totally like Lyanna Mormont. Lady Alyssa of House Ingusan. I actually thought Arya was going to die at that moment, and I'm glad I was wrong. I think that was everyone's reaction. Like, everyone was like, no! Oh! <laughs> like, like, oh! Yes! <laughs> I had my reaction video, and mine was like that. I was like, oh, no! Wait, yeah! <laughs> like, totally pumped! Lady Lucy of House Jane, I'm blown away. At first, I thought I would be disappointed if the Night King was defeated in this episode, but I wasn't at all. I thought it was perfect, although I couldn't actually breathe for a minute there when I thought Arya was dead. I thought it was full of suspense, loss, and triumph. Lady Evgenia of House Lazarova, I have never screamed like that while watching a show before. The loudest one was when Arya kills the Night King. What a scene! And so many things made sense. Now, Bran telling Theon he is home. Barrett giving his life to protect Sandor, who in turn saves Arya. Oh, yeah. Melisandre yeah. meeting Arya again, and the blue eyes, and not today quote. Also, I've never felt so tense. When the episode was over, my body was hurting, <laughs> and I was breathing again. The scenes in the crypt reminded me of the Battle of Blackwater with Cersei, and the others hiding in the holdfast. Only this time, with Sansa on her... only. This time with Sansa and her people. It felt like a season finale, and there are still three eps to go. What an adventure. What an adventure. Agreed. Yeah. Totally. In season one, Littlefinger puts the Valyrian steel dagger in the hands of an assassin to kill Bran Stark. It is very poetic that the same dagger finds its way into the hands of another assassin who uses it to save Brandon Stark. <laughs> Alternatively, if you believe certain tinfoil theories about Bran being the Night King, it finally accomplished its task. I also love how Arya found herself in the same room with three people who at one time were on her list. Melisandre, Beric, and Sandor. Ooh, good point. All three were significant enough for Arya to at one time want to kill. All three, Arya for some reason removed from her list. And now we're in this room to guide her to her ultimate destiny to kill the Night King. Wow, that's bugged out. That's crazy. Good catch, man. After their scene in the crypt, I can see Sansa and Tyrion reconciling and ending up together in a real marriage. I don't know why Ghost would be in the initial charge alongside the Dothraki and not protecting Bran. Here's hoping he finds his way back. But I feel like the whole ghost thing feels like such an afterthought. It feels like they put him in there because fans wanted him or something. It just right. doesn't feel... He doesn't more seem I like see he it, actually like, has a role. Like, he didn't have uh -uh. a role. He was just on the screen. Like, they added him in for a couple seconds, but he, like there was no mm -hmm. 
Like he didn't, you know, purpose. there was no role for him. Yeah. He was the Sadly. only one here in the show without a purpose in yeah. this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Sir Matthew finishes off. Widow's whale and Oathkeeper were inseparable this battle. Ice protecting its ancestral home. That's a good point. Widow's whale and, mm-hmm. and Oathkeeper side by side, the whole fight. Ice whole virtually time. reconnected. Great point, Matthew. Love that. Oh, that's so great. Yeah. Lord Keith S. of House Hickman. What can I say about this, but it was epic. I had a seesaw of emotions through this entire episode. Same. To add to the tension, oh shit, to add to the tension, my cable went out (laughs) right when the dead breached the wall. Fuck that. When I finally got it back up, it was when Arya was in the library. So completely missed Lyanna Mormont's death. So later, when the Night King started to raise the fallen, I was in complete shock when I seen her. Oh my god, that's horrible. Rewatch, go now, rewatch it. (laughs) But by far the best and most shocking was Arya coming in at the last second. I jumped out of my seat when the Night King grabbed her. When she dropped the dagger and did that grab and stab, I cheered, <laughs> fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Then tripped over my son's dragon toy and laughed at irony. <laughs> I love it. Can't wait for next week. Yeah, dude, I, I feel your pain. In the, the season premiere this this year, when Sam is just about to tell John who he is, and he's like... He's like, I wasn't a king, you know, and Sam's like, but you were, you always were. My cable cut out right at that moment, <laughs> the first episode. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> like the cable box had to reboot and like do all this stuff. And it was, it was nuts. It was nuts. Oh man, that makes my heart just like pound thinking about it. I'd be legit pissed. Yeah, totally. <laughs> he also posted a gif of, of Maisie Williams holding a crown, like up to her, <laughs> up to her head like- all goofy. <laughs> Lord, All cute. Yeah. Lord Brandon of House Ushery Hill. Now it makes you want to go back and listen to all of Mel's prophecies. And can she see past her death or only up till she dies? Ooh, that's an interesting question. Good question. Very interesting. Mm. Mm. <laughs> it's going to be a good like rewatch with the whole the whole thing yeah oh man i can't wait to rewatch it with the end with like the knowing and being able to see it with the the eyes of knowledge (laughs) yeah knowing the end game totally yep lady claire of house johnson there was just so much i don't know where to start i never saw aria coming i always thought it would be john I think the Night King thought so too and put Viserion between John and the Godswood as a defensive move. He thought he had it covered, but he didn't count on a small young woman. Neither, neither did that giant. <laughs> <laughs> it was there all along in Arya's journey. We always thought it was odd that Jockin Hagar found himself in the Black Cells back in Season 2. He knew. He was there for Arya to lead her to the House of Black and White for training. Damn. In Gurm's classic riff on the Lord of the Rings... <laughs> I don't know why I couldn't get that right. On the Lord of the Rings, <laughs> we now move to the scouring of the Shire where Cersei, Saruman? Saruman, yeah. Was holed up in the Red Keep. Many of our faves survived the long night, but they are now in more danger than ever. <clears throat> I'm a scared. <laughs> I'm a scared. <laughs> I'm a scared. P.S. <laughs> right. I'm not so sure the Night King or an equivalent is gone forever. Mm. Dun, dun, dun. Lord Steve. That is my new favorite word. I'm a scared. A scared, yeah. <laughs> I love it. I'm, I'm using that forever now. Lord Steve of House Alderfer. What's up, Steve? Jan Royce? I think not. I don't get it. 
I can't think. Oh, I don't I don't get it. Send me an explanation, Steve. I really want to know what, what you're talking about here. <laughs> I think not. Oh, that's what Jan says when Baelish asks him to take him back to the Eerie. Huh. Lord Pete of House Clark. <laughs> My TV's dark and full of terrors. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. Very dark and all kinds of terrors. <laughs> Lady Kira of House Bergberg. I thought it was pretty amazing and well-crafted, and watching the special about it on HBO made it even better. I agree. Mm-hmm. Love how they explained that they purposefully made the episode in three acts and three different genres. Suspense for the first part with the Dothraki and all that. Horror for Arya in the maze and the creeping, mm-hmm. lurking zombies. And then action for the end and like the big battle sequences with the Night King and everything like that. Um, that really put it into context for me. Very well crafted. I agree, Lady Kira. Very well crafted. Amazingly done. Lady Trogdor of House Burninator. I'd hate to I'd hate to be the Debbie Downer. I enjoyed the episode, but it just doesn't seem right. I'm pumped for the next ones, though. Mm. Sorry, you didn't. Um, sorry, you're feeling it. It doesn't just just doesn't seem right. That's not a not a fun feeling to have. Trogdor. I think everyone was. <laughs> I think everyone was pretty divided on this one. It's like yeah. pretty evenly in three places. Like loved it, hated it, or just don't really know how to feel about it. That's yeah, just and, from what I've seen on the internet. And I can understand the the views of everybody. You know, they all everybody has valid mm-hmm. valid points. I think. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, totally. Lady Kelsey of House Carlson. No one can kill the Night King, and now it all makes sense. <laughs> that dropping of the yep. blade sequence felt like it lasted half of the episode. Yep. I found Melisandre's talk with Arya and subsequent death absolutely beautiful. The animation on that was breathtaking. The thought of a life well-lived, a purpose completed, was so bittersweet. I thought there would be more major character deaths. I guess they needed some people to kill for the next few episodes. Love your show. Thanks, Lady Kelsey. Well, it's good to hear from you. We are so morbid with these uh, with these deaths. Yeah. <laughs> like, we just didn't get enough death. We wanted our... It feels weird to have wanted our people to die so bad. I know. I know. It's really weird. <laughs> Lady Lori of House Perkins. It was incredibly intense. I reminded myself to breathe over and over again because I didn't in the loot train battle and almost passed out. <laughs> yeah, me too. The filming was beautiful, along with the score, even if it was hard to see at times. House Mormont might be gone, but they both went out heroically. R.I.P. the entire Dothraki horde. Oh my god, seriously. (laughs) For sure. Melisandre was the MVP of this episode. She used the fire to help the battle and gave Arya the nudge she needed to serve her purpose. The Arya library scene was freaky as hell. I, too, got some very genuine Jurassic Park vibes. <laughs> <laughs> I actually love that Arya killed the Night King, as she is the best assassin on the show, the only one capable of sneaking up on him and catching him off guard. Yeah, it's true, because remember when they were escaping Hall and Jacken was pulling off these seemingly impossible kills to, like, like pinning up the guards on their own spears to make it look like they were still standing and like doing it all unseen and all unheard. It's like these Mm -hmm. super stealth skills of the, uh, the faceless Mm -hmm. men were critical in this for sure. John couldn't get past Viserion, but somehow Arya did, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Where was I? I cried when Tyrion and Sansa were in the crypt, when Danny said goodbye to Jorah and when Drogon was being, 
was being attached. Uh, the feels. It makes me want to cry right now when I think about that. That part <laughs> got me like more than anything when he cradles them. Oh, yeah. I hope we get more answers because that was the big letdown for me. I need more information about the Night King. Brand's purpose. What did the spirals mean and why now? <laughs> I assume we will get those answers in another episode or in the prequel. But it did leave me feeling empty. I can get that. Yeah. Overall, it was great. I definitely need to watch it again before I can give it a fair rating. <laughs> On to Cersei. If Jamie doesn't kill her, I'm going to lose my mind. Strangle the bitch. Strangle the bitch. Keep up the good work, guys. Love y'all to death. Love you too, Lady Lori. Thanks for writing in. Yeah. Lord Jamo of House Maxwell. There goes my theory that Jorah would eventually become the Queen Slayer by having to kill an increasingly irrational Daenerys. What an episode. <laughs> that would have been crazy. Epic is yeah. the only way to describe it. Loved Liana taking one one's remaining eye. Oh, maybe it was one one. I don't know. <laughs> Arya that makes used- sense now that I think about it. Yeah. <laughs> Arya using the little dagger drop she showcased against Brienne. The White Walker's hair flickering as Arya must have been sneaking past, but nothing could top Arya telling Sansa to stick him with the pointy end. <laughs> the ladies mm-hmm. ruled this episode. Sure did. Very true. Lady Kathy of House Bridges, freaking amazing. I was on the edge of my seat, shouting and pumping my fist. Loved when the Dothraki blades lit up. The smirk and swagger of the Night King when he thought John was beat. And Arya! Arya! <laughs> Lady Alicia of House Stout. Seriously, the first 10 minutes, I just wanted to jump out of my seat. The suspense was a killer. Loved the episode, although it was a bit dark. So many great scenes that I didn't see coming. It will be fixed on Blu-ray. It was HBO's streaming compression that made it extra dark, just so you know. Um, mm-hmm. I totally still want to see a reunion between Sansa and the Hound. Yeah, me too. Looking forward to that. Mm. I totally called it when Melisandre took off her necklace to die. I picked up the theme of purposes being fulfilled. Arya, Beric, the yeah. Dagger, the Night King, and Melisandre, to name a few. Ooh, good, good pickup on that. Their story had mm-hmm. come full circle, and now their watch has ended. It's sad that the Mormont house has been wiped out along with all the Dothraki. Lyanna was a badass to the end. Man, what a scene. All the swords lit up, charging toward the dead army, and little by little, the lights going all dark. Creepy. The whole episode had me on the edge of my seat. I know some people are disappointed about the number of deaths, but just remember, we have another battle to go, and there will be blood. Oh, yeah. For sure. There There will will be blood. (laughs) Lady Angelica Garcia of House Garcia Decker. Does anyone else think Ghost was added in post-production? Yeah, we're just saying that. (laughs) Just saying that, yeah. He is in places he doesn't belong and no one ever acknowledging him. And he looks much smaller. Mm -hmm. Is he an actual ghost? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Why the hell would he be with Jorah? Enjoyed the episode, but there are a few plot holes. But there are a few plot holes. But I am wi- always willing to suspend disbelief in the interest of storytelling. But I can't let the ghost thing go. Yeah, that was pretty weird. LOL. It really does seem like that. No one even pays attention to him. The whole thing. 
he's just there. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Trying to think of anyone even. They totally mm-hmm. added him post-production, you know, like he didn't have a role. Without I mean, the... they, they may have planned for him to be there like, oh, we'll add him here. But nobody like looked at him or interacted with him there. He didn't have a role. It was just something that they could add in without having to change anything else just by changing the camera angle very slightly. So super mm-hmm. cheap trick that they used there, but expensive also because to, you know, create, <laughs> it's a cheap trick, but it's expensive, you know? Right. Um, Sir Patrick of Hindsight, gazer of the Mirish rear view. So, the plan, before Mel showed up, was to send 100,000 warm Dothraki bodies into the pitch-black night with no weapons that could harm the undead, or at least none that would be effective on horseback. Don't get me wrong, that scene was amazing and terrifying, but it made zero strategic sense. I agree. So many. Mm-hmm. So my new headcanon is that Bran knew the true existential threat was the Dothraki horde. <laughs> Knowing that John has seen the value of a surprise cavalry attack, he has Sam distract John and hamper his communication with Danny just before the war plans are discussed. The Dothraki succeeded in destroying all but two giants, as well as every single mammoth, snow bear, shadow cat, direwolf, rat possum, and squirrel before they're all snuffed out. Maybe snarks and grumpkins too. Ghost tore apart the ice spiders before fleeing to join Nymeria's pack. The realm is now safe and the Dothraki the realm is now safe from the Dothraki and the undead horrors alike. <laughs> oh my god, he has well, so many. Well done. <laughs> yeah. I have to finally concede that Viserion was a white, not a white walker. He looked absolutely amazing tearing shit up inside the castle with blue flames coming out of his neck and half his lower jaw missing. Although season seven, episode seven script calls him an ice dragon, unquote unquote. He didn't shatter into a million ice shards, (laughs) which did happen in the ice drag in the one ice dragon encounter that was recorded in Planetos history history. Ooh, interesting. Mm. I also have to concede that my two ships won't be coming in. R.I.P. Tyria and Sandsor. <laughs> Sandstore. <laughs> Wait, Sandstore? Why, why can't Sandstore happen? It could still happen. <laughs> I don't think Gendry, I don't think, I still don't think Gendria is going to happen either. Wait, that already happened, dude. Yeah, it's like happening. (laughs) As we've observed, the boy knows how to pound it, but he lacks technique or finesse. And also, he's way too fast. (laughs) His experience with three prior lovers means Jack and his father beheaded, bedded thousands of whores, yet never learned how to please a woman. (laughs) That's hilarious. (laughs) Arya is technically far more experienced than Gendry, and she has accessed the memories of Walder as she has accessed the memories of Walder Frey. Yes, that is oh canon. That wearing a person's face inundates one with that person's memories. How is that canon? Show me your sources, Patrick. I think it is now safe to infer that Jorah was indeed Danny's quote unquote someone taller. Did anyone else notice that they might made their final stand inside a perimeter of corpses in the shape of a heart? <laughs> I didn't notice that. What? Jorah died the best possible death for that character, protecting his queen. I'm glad that his final image of her was heroic and triumphant. What a romantic badass. Agreed. If Bran turns out to be the Night King, then the cat's paw dagger finally found its mark. (laughs) That's a good one, too. Theon gets the ultimate validation before death. You're a good man. Not only is his morality validated, but also his manhood. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. Anyone else? Anyone catch the Evil Dead reference that Mel dropped? Dead by Dawn. Hmm, didn't, Didn't catch it. Did anyone else laugh out loud when the giant smacked Liana aside? I did, but I was also like <laughs> I did. shocked. Like, like oh. 
<laughs> you know, kind of a mixture of like a gasp and a laugh or something. Arya turns out to be the prince that was promised, as if we needed more evidence that Jock and Hagar is secretly Rhaegar. <laughs> Thanks, Sir Patrick. Always good to hear from you. Lady Mary Patricia of House Diarigo. Arya, where'd she come from? Boom. <laughs> awesome. Dothraki flames of life flickering out one by one, chilling. Totally. The insullied being trampled by the horde of undead creepy. Speaking of creeping, Arya sneaking around the library. I thought for sure we were going to see Lady Stoneheart or maybe Hodor or even Stannis as a white. Damn. That was my initial thought that the guy that was creeping around, the white that was creeping around was going to be someone that she knew. Yeah. Or someone she recognized. That would have been I really so thought cool. that's where, where they were going. Yeah, they missed the, missed the opportunity for that. Hodor would have been uh, amazing. Like, pff, just rip my heart out. <laughs> <clears throat> little Lady Liana, epic. Zombie la- Little Lady Liana, sad. <laughs> Still kind of epic, though. Yeah, yeah. I wonder how many people little undead Lady Liana killed. I don't know. I don't think she was undead for too long. <laughs> True. But still, she's Lady Liana Mormont. You know, she could have killed most of the uh, the remaining Unsullied or something. <laughs> Truth. She's got some some spit in her. <laughs> Help us, Arya. You're our only hope. A good <laughs> Star Wars reference. Yeah. Turns out the crypts of Winterfell were not the safest place to be. <laughs> Why didn't they have dragon glass weapons? Seriously. Love the Sansa Tyrion team back together again. Maybe Sansa can be Tyrion's muse to get his brain back. Mm. Do you think Cersei is going to try to kill Brienne? And that's what's going to spur Jamie to kill Cersei. Huh. Ooh. My husband's that would be theory. interesting. That would be crazy. That would be interesting. Like he almost has to choose. Yeah. Like one, That's crazy. one girl attacks his new girl and he's like, ah, <laughs> damn. Hmm. Keep up the great coverage, guys. Thanks for writing. Lord Stephen of House Kerndall. Poor writing, full of ex machinas, bad battle tactics, horrible lighting effects, stupid decisions by characters, inconsistency on how whites even work. But Arya and Liana's moments were cool. Six out of ten. Flashy, but little substance. Okay for a mediocre show, but for one of the best shows ever, a very disappointing episode and climax to The Night King. Man, sorry you feel that way about the show, man. It's disappointing to know that so many fans are disappointed. Really uh, sorry mm-hmm. you feel that way. Sucks. I hope it redeems itself in the next three episodes yeah, for, I hope, I for hope. everyone who is so upset. Yeah, exactly. I agree. Lady Steph K of House Cooper. Hey, Coopers. Where did Bran warg for half the episode? <laughs> <laughs> Good question. Oh, That's the million dollar question. I know. <laughs> so funny. Lord Anthony of House Coulomb. I can't help thinking that when they get to King's Landing, or anywhere south, actually, how they're going to tell the story, and who's even going to believe it. <laughs> they're going to have to, like, bring the Night King corpse. Oh, there is no Night King corpse. He's gone. There is no. A glass of water? <laughs> Maybe they could drag down, like, the pieces of that giant body or something and be like, how do you explain this if, you know, if none of it happened? Yeah, they're going to go down there and be like, all this stuff happened, and Cersei's going to be like, see, I told you none of it was real. You can't prove to me that this ever happened. Cersei's the worst. Yeah, yeah. totally. 
Lord Ty of House Gorman. So much badassery, aside from the hound who was quivering like a bitch-made motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite sound clip. (laughs) Insert here. (laughs) Everyone else was giving it their all. A few probing questions, then I'm cutting myself off because I could analyze this episode forever. John at the end confronts the undead Viserion head-on. Do you think he was embracing his Targaryen blood, hoping he couldn't be burned? Or was he giving up? Damn. Giving up is not like him. And Arya with the knife drop. Is she this skilled of a warrior because of her faceless man training? I think so. I don't know. I would if so, how I would is, say giving oh, up ahead. is not outside of his character. Sansa had had to continue to keep, you know, make him keep fighting for the North. He quit the Night's Watch and was just done with everything. Had like given up mm-hmm. basically until Sansa continued or convinced him to keep fighting. Um, so it's possible that he was given up. It seems to me the way that he was like barreling in, like he was going to make some kind of big move or something. Like he, to me, it looked like he was going to just fucking go for it, like dart out or something. Cause he was just like, ah! like he was getting ready Battle to cry. pump himself up. It wasn't like a, yeah, like that's a, what I, that's how I took it. Yeah. It wasn't like an, I've given up yell. It was like a, like a battle yell, you know? So hopefully he wasn't giving up. Like I think he was, <laughs> I think he was pumping himself up to, fucking make some kind of move like just run for it or just say fuck i die or i don't boom or else he could have just pussied out and been like i'm done (laughs) like i'm done with this (laughs) (laughs) and aria with the knife drop is she this skilled of a warrior because of her faceless man training if so how was the how was the world how in the world was jack and hagar ever captured to begin with when they met Maybe he was letting himself get taken to the wall to take out the Night King himself. Oh. I wonder if we've seen all Arya has to offer or if she has more faceless man heroics in store for us. Thanks. Addictively Damn. good podcast. Ooh, addictively good. Glad you like him. Dang. <laughs> oh, I also wanted to add that I think Sansa calling all the people in the crypt useless will be her undoing. You're the lady of the North and you're saying that then you're saying that to your people. Meanwhile, Danny is out risking it all to fight the undead. Now that everyone has seen, now that everyone has seen that and how Sansa responded, Danny will win the hearts of Northerners. The North will remember what she did for Damn. them. Damn. Yeah, that's, that's a, a very point. interesting perspective. What do you think? Well, and Danny's never had really like battle experience or anything either, and she is still out there. So it can't really be like, well, Sansa doesn't know how to fight. Right. Yeah. Danny's never fought yet. Did. She's out there riding a dragon. Mm-mm-mm. Sansa's doing nothing down in the crypt yep. and Danny's out there putting it all on the line to protect Sansa. Like, God damn. Yeah. Good yeah, point. Basically good. just telling all the Northerners that they're useless. Yeah. Yeah. It's all the, kind of all ridiculous. the girls down there. Thanks for writing, Lord Ty. Always good to hear from you, brother. Lady Amanda of House mm-hmm. Massey. What an episode. The suspense, the battle, the tsunami of whites. (laughs) I really don't know how anyone in the front lines survived that. But wow, was that an epic fucking episode or what? Yeah, I don't know how anyone up in the front lines would have survived either. I was just thinking everybody was getting Mm. wiped out. (laughs) I was literally in the fetal position for three quarters of the episode. (laughs) So many things that made me hype. The slow-mo of everyone pre-battle, when Melisandre set the Dothraki Eriks on fire, when Daenerys Dracarys the Night King, when Jorah came through <laughs> to save Daenerys, rip Jorah, 
When Theon came through to save Bran, I still had my doubts. Reek was going to make an appearance. <laughs> that would have been so fucked up if Ooh, Reek made an appearance. Oh my Coward gosh. at the Night King. and Oh, that would have sucked. I'm glad that he didn't. <laughs> when Arya killed the Night King. Hashtag knife drop. Credit to Lord Ty of House Gorman on that hashtag. <laughs> Good yeah. timing since we just read his comment. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> we just learned that. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that we didn't lose everyone but Cersei in the battle. Pretty much the whole episode. One thing I am still left wondering is what the hell happened with the Dothraki? I wish I knew a little bit more of the battle plan since I was left a bit confused by the charge and retreat technique they went with, especially since they didn't seem to have Dragonglass Eric's. Also, Sir Duncan, your mugs are the best. <laughs> Can't wait for this podcast. You guys are awesome. Thank you. And today I'm drinking from the the Zyrtec mug with a nose built onto it. So if you're drinking hot water or hot uh, tea or coffee or something, condensation forms inside the nose and it starts dripping like a runny nose. <laughs> Yummy. For Zyrtec allergy. <laughs> allergy stuff. <laughs> Thank you so much for writing, Lady Amanda. Lady Sarah of House Hargett. Go Sarah. Sarah's with an H. Yeah. And she, okay. she made it this time. <laughs> Last week, her feedback was just a little too late and I couldn't get it in. So I'm glad she um, made it this time. I'm making sure that my raven is on time this time. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Since sleeping after this episode is no longer going to happen. I want to say a big thank you to you both. My husband is not caught up yet, and my boss has made a no Game of Thrones talk rule. Oh, Ugh. man. I need someone. That's like the worst. <laughs> I need someone to talk about episodes when they happen. <laughs> you have saved me so much money on therapy. <laughs> well, you're welcome. That's what we're here for. Yes. This episode was heart pumping the whole way through. Never a break from action. I'm sure I stopped breathing in the library with Arya. I am with you on that one. I love that scene. I love the subtle moments and Tyrion with Tyrion and Sansa in the crypts mm. and Tyrion and Sansa in the crypts were golden. Did anyone get a cold chill from Missy down there? I get it. She's a stranger in a strange land, but don't be rude to your host. Miss Sandy. <laughs> Miss Yeah. But I mean, oh, girl. Uh, it, was she really rude though? Or was she more like you're being a bitch? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I, don't I know. think, yeah, I think she was just like, hey, 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 let's take it down a notch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I guess the way she said it was kind of like, mm hmm, no. <laughs> yeah. She, I mean, she was, you know, a little bit rude about it, but Sansa was being rude as well. So Sansa was freaking people out. Yeah. In the first 10 minutes, when we saw the horse riding up and we saw Melisandre, I said, oh, this one's going to be interesting. As usual, it did not disappoint. I have a few questions, and I would appreciate some closure, or as much as possible with this show. One, what in the biscuits was Bran doing this whole time? <laughs> biscuits! What biscuits? Two, do you think someone died that we didn't see on screen? Hmm. Uh, maybe. Three, why does Varys have so few moments in these last few episodes? Ooh, he's going to be lastly, important coming up. That's uh, yeah, why. that's what I think. And lastly, four, with the Night King dead and the Army of the Dead finished, what is Jon's goal now? I don't think he wants the throne. He just wants Danny. But will she want him now? Moment of silence for the mayor of the friend zone. We shall never see his, we, we will never see his like again. Thank you again, and I leave you with this. Who is going to clean up all the dead bodies everywhere? The logistics are baffling. Valar Daharis, all men must serve. 
Right, yeah, they thought there was a lot of bodies after the Battle of uh, the Bastards. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they had no idea. Or for, First, all the bodies from Stannis' fight against the Boltons that left the Winterfell littered with corpses. And then there's all the, uh-huh. ba- the bodies from uh, <laughs> from the Battle of the Bastards that left Winterfell littered with corpses, interior and out, outside the walls. Now there's this, where there's just ba- bodies just everywhere. Woo! Winterfell must have a plan in place, a system in place by now for all this. Totally. They're like, okay, okay, let's. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Lady Annika from real Westeros. V- Westeros is the name of my hometown in Sweden. You pronounce it almost exactly like Westeros. It's V-A-S-T-E-R-A-S. It's an honor to live here right now. Can't wait for the next episode. I'm so excited. I have to crawl up from bed at 3 a.m. when the episode airs in Sweden. The things you do for love, right? (laughs) With like a smiley face with like a little sweat mark. Like, (laughs) thanks for a great podcast. You guys have helped me a lot through a lot of gym hours and kilometers running. Ooh, you know about that, Lady Sarah. I'm a runner too. Yeah. And the commute to my boyfriend who lives an hour and a half away gets much easier. Glad we can help you with that commute there. That's, that's always, you know, fun to have something I listen, good to listen to on a I good listen commute. to the podcast when I run, too. I'm with you on that. <laughs> totally. Lord Joel from House Erickson. Hey, guys, I've been listening for a long time and have always wanted to write in but never got around to it. But after this episode, I've been so back and forth with how I feel about it, I had to write in. <laughs> I have so many opinions about this episode, but my main two are, one, the Night King was way too simple to kill. I really felt like Bran was going to have to do some serious ability flex to kill the Night King with a vision or something. Plus, how were th- with how the dead have been a threat since season one, it felt like they deserved a two-episode battle at the least. Yeah, I th- would have thought that the long night would have lasted longer than just one night. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it's not, bigger you know, than like an extra long episode. Yeah, like it was really just one night. Night, and not even mm-hmm. an extra long one, you know, like maybe it felt mm-hmm. long because of the fight, but it wasn't really like a long night. It was just one night, you know? Yeah. Um, two, the show overhyped this so much. We felt like we were going to be traumatized after this episode with the losses we'd be watching. Yet we lost mm-hmm. quite a bit of characters, but I don't think any of them were the top tier characters. I felt like we'd lost. I felt like we'd lost at least one, like we'd lose at least one main character. And I get that it's a TV show and we have to have characters survive, which leads me to my biggest argument that I have with shows and movies of all time. Don't put your characters in unsurvivable situations. The fact that half of our cast was on the front lines and almost all of them survived, much less longer than the immediate impact of the walker wave that slammed them, is ridiculous. (laughs) I'm really waiting to see. I can agree with that. Sure. I'm really waiting to see how these final three episodes play out, but I feel they let us down the way they did. But if they let us down the way they did this episode, I'm worried with how they're going to finish this amazing show. I'm done. <laughs> sorry for the giant message. Not that wasn't too long. Thank you for writing, Joel. Yeah, I'm sorry if you're feeling conflicted as well. But you know, we'll hopefully they'll wrap it up in a way that everybody enjoys. What's up, everybody? It is Johnny Stitches, Archmaster of the Luminescent Citadel of the Siren Isle. Hey, man, thank you so much for having me on the live show. Those things are so fun. If you guys haven't checked those out, they're just amazing. So I was listening <laughs> listening to that, and I always kind of hate listening to myself, but uh, I started thinking, so I wanted to call in and say the Hound's uh, shell shockness and how he was underutilized in the episode. I was talking about that on the live stream, and I'm sure you guys are going to bring that up in today's show. But it got me thinking, 
uh, more and more. I think he's got to face his fear of fire and, like, running in his cowardice in his fight with the mountain. Like, and that's the whole reason, like, for the way they set him up in this one. That's just my thoughts on that. Just kind of curious. if Y'all might have already brought it up and talked about it, but if not, just thought I'd throw that in here in the feedback. And uh, just curious, man, what do you guys think about the Hound? Do you think that he's going to, uh, like, walk through the flames to, like, impale the mountain or, like, you know, go through a gorge of fire to tackle the zombie and, like, save people? I just, oh, I'm so excited to see what they're going to do with the Hound. I love the Hound. And uh, I, felt, I felt a little bad because how bad I was harping on what they did with him last night. So, um, yeah. Again, Duncan, Rachel. Hi, Rachel. Uh, it's, it's so it's so wonderful what you guys do here. And uh, hello to the special guest uh, from the uh, from the past. Hope the future's still there. <laughs> and uh, thanks so much for coming on, giving microphones, and giving your uh, what I assume is awesome feedback. So, uh, uh, yeah. And uh, hopefully, I'll see you guys on live stream this Sunday, 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 Sunday. Archmaster Stitches, good to hear from you, brother. Looking forward to having you back on the live stream this Sunday. Yeah, yeah. I feel you about the hound. Hopefully, uh, we'll get to see him pull off some badass shit coming up. <laughs> Talk to you soon, homie. Oh. All right. Thanks for writing in, everybody. Always great to hear from you guys every week. And, um, Sorry to the people who didn't like this episode very much and to the other people who really enjoyed it. I'm glad that you enjoyed it. I've traveled to a bunch of random places and random countries. But as a Midwestern guy, I recently have been falling in love with what the more rugged parts of America have to offer to all of us before they're gone. Team Age Productions and Powers Media House presents Beautiful America, a musical documentary series with all original content. Explore the southwest of America and indulge in some places you've heard of and plenty more that you certainly have not. Cooking under the stars and below freezing temps of Death Valley. 4K drone footage of one of the most insane monoliths on Earth. Driving in abandoned mines, cliffs, canyons, and wild times. Check it out. Team Age Productions on Facebook and YouTube. That's T-E-A-M-A-G-E Productions. Beautiful America. All right, that's our show, episode 114. Thanks for listening, everybody, and a big thanks to Princess Sarah of House Von Daltron for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I had a lot of fun. This was like the best episode to have have been on, really. For me, at least. (laughs) Well, I'm glad you made it. (laughs) And a huge thanks to John Bailey, the epic voice guy from the Emmy-nominated Honest Trailers for announcing our show. If you'd like to donate or subscribe to support us, you can go to paypal.me slash gompodcast or patreon.com slash gompodcast to donate an amount of your choosing. There are links to both at gameofmicrophones.com. Doing some online shopping? Go to gameofmicrophones.com and click on our link to Amazon. As an Amazon associate, we earn from qualifying purchases. Any contribution you make helps, and you can help secure the continued existence of GOM. We'd like to thank our patrons, Sir Matthew of House Rep, Lady Lucy of House Roberts, Lady Candace of House Twos, Lady Terry of House Theodore, Lord Jeff of House Allen, Sirenicide, Lord John of House Grills, Luke the Low Duke, Lord Jeremiah of House Carpenter, Tarot Spirit, 
and Lord Bryson of House Wolf. We love you guys and appreciate your patronage. Thank you so much. And make sure to check out Sirenicide, the serialized horror drama podcast featuring me and Archmaster Stitches. Go to sirenicide.com and download it wherever you get your podcasts. Next, we'll be covering Season 8, Episode 4. Give it a watch and send us your thoughts. We'd love to read them on the air. If you'd like to call, you can always reach us at 813-563-3739. That's 813-JOFFREY. If you'd like to write in, you can email us at ravens at gameofmicrophones.com. Check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash gompodcast. <laughs> it's that. <laughs> You can always, always also listen to Game of Microphones on YouTube, BitChute, and Steam It. Just search for Game of Microphones to find our channel. Likes, comments, and shares are appreciated. We're also on Twitter, Instagram, Gab, and Minds at GOM Podcast. And we're on Tumblr, too, at Game of Microphones. All right, that's our show. Thanks for listening. Valar Margulis. Valar Dohairis. Well met, giant killers and honorable warriors, and welcome to Game of Microphones. This is... Uh, oh, fuck. What did I... I was scrambling to type it, and I fucked it up. <laughs> <laughs> At least you didn't like keep reading it and sound. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that sounds kind of. I know. I was. Uh, yeah. Sad. <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to say I'm disappointed that we didn't lose more people, but I'm almost like kind of disappointed that they didn't hurt us more than they did. You know what I mean? Like I was expecting to be like really, really suffering as a <laughs> as a result of this episode. Well, I, we kept hearing like it's going to be red wedding status, and red wedding was like shocking like it was right, just right. it was jarring like couldn't stop i still get emotional over that freaking episode mm -hmm, totally. so this was kind of like it was appropriate death like it we're okay we don't like that they died but we're okay with it because they died as heroes right Sam is like uh, uh, on the ground, frozen like the hound, basically. They baited us with Jamie because Brienne gets knocked over like right off the oh, bat yeah. in the fight. Ah! You know, the whites <laughs> are just pouring all over. And she always has to like the most like animalistic, guttural, like growling and battle cries and stuff. It's so epic. Yeah. So she's like, ah, <laughs> gets knocked down <laughs> and the whites are all over and Jamie slays him and and like. He's kind of standing there for a second, like looking down, like, yeah, you know, I helped you. And I'm thinking, no, 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 they're about to kill Jamie. But uh. nope, they did the same thing with Ed and killed him instead. Mm -hmm. In the distance, you can hear the hissing and growling of the dead. Ugh. Dothraki Morghulis. <laughs> they're going to die. <laughs> the compression of HBO and everything um, made the episode, screwed up the episode, basically. And it didn't look like it was intended to look. If I, I would be really upset if I worked at HBO and... The moment comes and the product you've been working on for so long looks dark and not the way that they intended it. It's really unfortunate that that happened.
Well, yeah, and it's such a, it's like the simplest thing that kind of ruined the whole episode for a lot of people, it seems. And that's, that sucks. Yeah, it sucks. Super sucks. <laughs> um, I noticed it right off the bat too. The first couple shots, I could tell that like the way that I was receiving the signal, it was hyper compressed and really pixelated. Um, oh, when no. Tyrion was walking through the courtyard, I remember thinking, what the fuck? Why does it look like this? You know, like oh, it no. looks like, like 480p, you know, <laughs> <laughs> damn it. <laughs> but, you know, whatever. <laughs> and Jamie, you know, everybody's watching in the distance as we get this amazing sequence where we can see all of the, like a line of torches in the distance swinging around as they're riding through the, the chaos and fighting. And one by one, all of these blades are being extinguished until the last one goes out. And we're seeing all these different characters' reactions to this. Mm-hmm. And importantly, I think it it zooms in on Jamie's face and Jamie's reaction. Because Jamie is the you know was was the person who, like I mentioned, learned from firsthand experience just how tough the Dothraki are. So he's watching in in horror as this invincible force from his perspective is just erased right before his eyes. It's a good storytelling device where we don't see the threat. It reminds me of like, what was that movie? Clover, Cloverfield. Oh, I've never seen that, but I, is, is that the, it's like the fog or something? Or what uh, there's is like it? some alien creature or something and like, but you only get like, like a little glimpse of like, like it's leg, or, you know, like every once in a while, like, you know, so your imagination can be scarier than what might actually be there. Exactly. And that's what's happening here. Like I'm imagining ice spiders and all kinds of crazy yeah. shit that they couldn't fo- afford. Apparently, You want your ice spiders. It was an ice spider. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I want ice spider. It was an ice spider. It's just super sad. Like those were her blood riders. Remember that moment mm-hmm. she had sitting on Drogon where she's like, you know, traditionally a cow will choose three blood riders. I choose you all. And they're all like super pumped. They all just got fucking murdered. They you loved know, like, her too. That's, that's right. What, yeah. That shows what dedication they had to her riding into the unknown, like Straight. to fight in this circumstance, like into the darkness with no idea what's out there. That's dedication. You and know? before that, riding across the the sea, right? right? I mean, they they followed her straight to man. Yeah, it's, it ho- breaks my heart. <laughs> yeah, as horrible as it is, it's really beautiful. You know? and <laughs> you can hear the scrambling footsteps in the oh, darkness God. as the undead are running towards them. So it's showing Sansa and Arya freaking out. And I was thinking at this point, oh man, I think Sansa's starting to get the gravity of the whole situation. Like she's starting to see how, what a threat the undead are. She's starting to see what a force the dragons are. I was thinking maybe she'll like chill out with Danny, the whole Danny thing, you know, realize yeah. that like it's all working out the way it's supposed to, hopefully. And, uh, but nope, <laughs> we learned yeah. she's still, she's still on that bullshit in the crypt. We find out in a little <laughs> bit. <you know? laughs> and uh, this is a great reference to season one. Oh, episode yeah. one or episode two when John gives Arya needle and she's like, well, how do I use it? Right. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to say it. I do. Stick him with the pointy end. <laughs> so cute. Yeah. I love that. And so three of our heroes are all taken down here at the same time basically as Jamie is tackled and has whites on top of him and then Tormund is tackled and has whites crawling all over him and then Sam is tackled and has whites all over him and all at the same time three of our heroes are down and like in serious danger 
and Sam is freaking out, ah, ah! <laughs> doing his like Sam stuff. And uh, <laughs> so Grey Worm is just beasting out on all these dudes, just slaughtering <laughs> like all kinds of undead creatures everywhere. Uh, the Double Ds knew that she was going to be the one that killed him for like three years. Yeah, three years ago they said they. Yeah. You know, so that's pretty crazy. And they nailed it. They nailed it with with all of the writing, everything. I buy it. I like it. Yeah, I, I thought it worked out really well, too. And it makes sense because the Night King would be the single greatest enemy of the many-faced god. The many-faced god doles out death. And the Night King is out there undoing all of his work, bringing all these dead people back to life. And, mm-hmm. you know, you know the, that must really piss off the many-faced god. So, mm-hmm. so Arya is the perfect person to finish this job, to do the job yep. for him. The two most horrible things he can imagine. The undead army <laughs> and fire. He's like, fuck this. This is like <laughs> so, much, yeah, so much worse than the Battle of Blackwater Bay. It's just fire at that point. Fuck. Goddamn. <laughs> Theon tells Bran that they've lit the trench. AKA our defenses are collapsing. This is not good. Mm-hmm. You know, like if they've lit the trench, that means that the undead are right outside are the walls. Right basically. outside the yeah. So that is bad news. And he's he feels this is his moment to like sort of confide in Bran, right? Mm-hmm. It's like Bran <laughs> I just want you to know. I wish the things I did, you know? and Bran cuts him off. Everything you did brought you to where you are now, where you belong, home. You know what a powerful moment between the two of them, right? Like he needed to hear so, that. Like, Theon has been needing that, you know, validation for so long. Yeah, exactly. This is the final piece in his validation puzzle. His ravens fly right up to the Night King. Mm. But first, they're flying along, and one of the dragons comes swooping by, and they kind of like fly right through the dissipating flames. Looked so cool. Again, another amazing moment of cinematography in this episode. Just a fantastic-looking episode. And so they fly right up to the Night King, and he's just lurking there on Viserion's back. <laughs> and uh, and it, we get this gnarly shot looking upwards at him and he's like bouncing a little bit and his face is blurry and then into the foreground of the camera comes his hand as he were his reaches eyes down. like warged when i saw it the second time it looked like it looked like his eyes were all warged like brands or something Ooh, interesting. I, that freaked me out i didn't catch that it's entirely possible mm-hmm. he does seem to be able to tap into the weirwood network as well the ice wi-fi looked- so yeah it's it's possible and I, at first I was like, what the fuck is he doing? Like, I, you know, his, he does these hand gestures. Mm-hmm. Raising his arms makes the dead, you know, do his uh, rise. I guess pointing his hand like that just makes them do whatever he wants. So they, this is when the dead start, like, plopping themselves onto the fire <laughs> barrier to mm-hmm. create, like, a body mountain, <laughs> a yeah, pathway. Yeah, like a bridge thing. Yeah, body bridge. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is hardcore. But that shot looking at the Night King with his hand in the foreground and his face all blurry was just like the most gangster shot. And the sound was all muffled. and Yeah, so good. So many just epic moments in this this episode. And Melisandre, brown eyes, green eyes, and blue eyes. And blue eyes, blue eyes, you know, and... Arya's thinking, and we know that the Whites have blue eyes, and that the White Walkers Mm -hmm. have blue eyes, and that the Night King has blue eyes. 
And man, that she'd shut many eyes. She has the opportunity to shut many, 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 many blue eyes here. All the eyes. All the blue eyes. Except Tormund. Yeah, exactly. I've always had blue eyes. I've always had blue eyes. And John, he would have said, well, your people fight for you when they see you won't fight for them. But... But in this case, yeah, they will because they're powered by necromancy. So the Night King just yeah. walks off and they keep fighting. <laughs> yeah, my heart shatters as John sees Sam but has to leave him to go for Bran. I couldn't believe it. I was like yelling at my TV like, you have to save Sam. You can't leave Sam, you know, <laughs> freaking out. Fight. <laughs> what the fuck was Theon thinking here? Like what could he have possibly thought was going to like, like I'm gonna he, st- I'm he gonna... was going to win with his... <laughs> Little dragon glass. Well, I mean, spear, whatever it was. Maybe he could have won with the dragon glass spear, but he points it right at him, runs at him, and runs from right, telegraphing the whole time. I'm gonna thrust this at you. I'm gonna thrust this at you. I'm gonna thrust this at you know. And all the night king has to do is just parry it, and he just grabs yeah. it and snaps it with his hand, and then just wah, <laughs> stabs right brutally, stabs right through Theon, Theon's gut, and just like oh, the metal pokes out of his armored back plate. Mm. And it's just like dripping blood and just drops to the ground. And woof, it's pretty poetic that the cat's paw dagger was originally assigned to kill Bran, but ends up coming full circle and saving his life with Arya. Mm -hmm. It's also poetic that he gave it to Arya when he was first reunited with her right away in the the godswood at this Mm -hmm. tree. (laughs) And here it is. Back with her to defend him at this tree when he needs it. And it's interesting also, Littlefinger may have been the one who initially put this dagger in play. Mm-hmm. It was his dagger, as far as we know, right? Mm-hmm. So, in a way, this victory would have been impossible without Littlefinger. Without fucking Littlefinger. <laughs> Littlefinger saving the day from the grave by oh, Peter fucking Baelish. <laughs> that was so funny. Uh, like this, maybe the best thing he ever did was introducing this, this dagger to the yeah <laughs> to the play. Littlefinger being Littlefinger ended up saving the day. Like without Littlefinger, the Night King would have <laughs> won. There would have probably. not been chaos. No ladder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Valar Margulis. Valar Dohairis. <laughs> Valar. Valar Dohairis. 